Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DestalProds.com. As always, I'm dead. Remember today we got Cave. So we're talking about Starfinder, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so at time of recording, the new Unearthed Arcana for 1D&D came out last week. and I, I have wanna... not read it because I figured Dead would want to do this. Yep, and I want to talk about it because we did this before. The last thing, I'm probably going to keep doing it because it looks like it might be like a monthly release schedule for these things. And it's fun. Yeah, and I will say, I have not spent a lot of time looking at Unearthed Arcana in the lens of, I want to see what this will become when it joins the main book. Because it's happened a couple times where, like, Artificer has come out, they put out a thing, and then, like, they put out Artificer, and then Cave and I had complaints about it, so we homebrewed it a lot, and they made a new version of Artificer, which was way better. But we still homebrewed a lot because they didn't fix the one thing we wanted. And they put up the actual version, which fixed the one thing we wanted. Yeah, I still wish guns were a thing in the Artificers, but, I mean, until we get new Artificer subclass that is the Gunificer, it'll just be, you know... The closest thing you get is the lightning launcher or the artillerist's uh, mana cannon or eldritch cannon, I think it is. Yeah. So, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the surveys. Because whenever whenever D&D, whenever Wizards releases a Unearthed Arcana, after a couple weeks with it out, they release a survey talking about your satisfaction with it, your how you enjoyed playing with it, thoughts you had on it, and things you want to see change or improve. Which those are really important if you actually want your opinion heard. I filled out a few, and quite often after I filled it out, like either a new UA would be released that actually addressed my concerns, or when it was put in a book, it would address my concerns. So it may seem like it's pointless, but it is actually very important to fill out those surveys. Yeah, despite all evidence to the contrary, Wizards does seem to listen to people when they submit the surveys. <laughs> so... With this new Unearthed Arcana for 1D&D, they have changed up some of the rules from the rules glossary last time. And it seems that going forward, every new UA for Unearthed Arcana will revise and refine the rules glossary. Which we'll get into that when we get into that. But for now, we're going to be going through the expert classes. Because, Cave... The first big real change with this is that classes now have functional groups. I don't like that. Okay. I, I might like it after you've told me about it, but just from hearing that, uh, it, it may... There is a certain assumption that goes along with the tag. You know? And there was already an assumption for, say, the rogue. He's going to be the sneaky thief boy. Which, yes, rogues are optimally, optimally built for sneaky thief boys, but... It's, I don't like more categories. I like less categories. Okay. But again, my opinion might change, but my first instinct upon hearing that is, so, so there are four categories with each category having three classes in it with an asterisk on expert because the artificer is an expert, but he wasn't included in the core rule book. So fuck him. They, they literally say that. It's literally experts asterisk at the bottom. The artificer is also an expert. <laughs> Motherfuckers. So the four categories are experts, mages, priests, and warriors. The fuck? The, so the classes for each of them. What we'll be going over today, 
experts are Bard, Ranger, and Rogue. Mages. I mean, that makes sense. They're the skill monkeys. Yes. Mages are Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard. Yes. Priests are Cleric, Druid, and Paladin. And that's where they lose me. Okay. I have never thought of paladins or druids as priests. I mean, druids are easier because I've thought of them as shamans, and that is a priest by another name. But paladins? Yeah, by the by the strictest definition of the word, they're kind of they're kind of battle priests. And then finally, warriors, and, barbarian, fighter, monk. Yeah, that one makes sense. Now, each of these has a characteristic. So what this, basically what this means is that within these classes, they will have this one thing that combine that like ties all of them together. For experts, they all have the expertise feature. Okay, that makes sense. And, and druids have the priest feature. I'll get to this. <laughs> so experts have the expertise feature and one or two other elements taken from other classes. Which, again, we'll get into. Uh, with, with mages, they all use arcane magic. Because, remember from last time, magic is now broken up into, into lists of primal, divine, and arcane. Yeah, makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yes. Priests all have access to divine and primal magics. Sorry, divine or primal magics. Misread that. With with this, them uh, focusing on healing, utility, and defense. Uh, I said focusing. Yeah, I just I don't I don't like it when they do shit like that. Beast shape is technically a defensive ability. I was talking about healing being the primary forefront. Just like, eh. and then finally, warriors. They fight you boys who get hit a lot. Yeah. They get hit a lot. They hit a lot. They good. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I said. See, the, okay, go ahead. I, okay. So when I play D&D, there are actually four roles that I'd like to have filled at the table. The skill monkey, the skirmisher, the magic user, and the healer. Now, the skill monkey, he's the guy who does all the skill checks. The skirmisher, he's the guy who deals damage in a melee fight. Like, he is, like, either getting in, punching hard, and then getting out like a monk wants to, or he is getting in, smashing stuff, and, you know, just ruining days. Okay, that's why I was very confused, because skirmisher is a feat in 5e that is about sneaking. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Sounds more like a scrapper. Yeah, scrapper's probably a better word for it. But like I've been like I, these these were taught to me by a DM who I learned to play D and D from like twenty years ago at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's baked into my head. Uh, then you got the the mage. They've got magic. Like it's utility. It's the damage output. It's you know it's your sorcerer, your wizard, your warlock, your cleric. Sometimes depending on the situation. Uh, and then you know like it's just like. And they had another version of this in 4th edition, and it sucked. Because uh, it was the leader tank 
I can't remember, but like they had the four roles. Every party must be one of these roles. And it basically ended up with like, you've got like 80 classes that are the leader and they're all the same. Okay. And I dread them doing that again. Cause that's what happens. You set up categories and then it's like, well, we'll just cut and paste text from different classes, change a few keywords and boom, it's a new class. And so, that's my concern. So based on what I've seen in this UA, again, things are subject to change. This is playtest material. They didn't do that. Good, because that was the worst part about, uh, one of the worst parts about 4th edition, is that every character is the same. Yeah, literally. so hard. Yeah, literally, the only, like, when they mention uh, the class groupings, I'll, I'll, just read, I'll just read straight up from this. A class group has no rules in itself. But prerequisites and other rules can refer to these groups. For example, only a member only members of the mage group might be able to attune to a certain magical item. Or a feat might only be available to members of the warrior group. Hmm. Okay. That seems to be largely it. It's just taking, hey, you need to be a this can only be attuned by druids and make it this can only be attuned by druids, clerics and paladins without saying druids, clerics and paladins. Yeah, this can only be attuned to by priests. I mean, honestly, that's pretty cool because, like, I play artificers in part because they don't have to worry about so many requirements when it comes to attunement. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many great magic items. And it's like, all right, I'm playing a cleric. Here's a staff, staff of the Archdruid. Fuck you. Yeah, and now you can just I'm use that. I'm playing a mage. Here's a staff of the Archdruid. Hey, priest, you want this? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they they say that like uh, they say that you know, optimal party composition has one from each group, but it's still I, three I classes each with multiple subclasses that, based on previous editions, all play very differently. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Like, um, like I, I will still I will say that I'm still very much of the opinion that druids are the omni class. Um. I but. genuinely hope that by putting druids in the same grouping as clerics and paladins, that they aren't making druids the objectively most powerful. Um, Druids are always going to be the most powerful. <laughs> Unless they take away a lot of the what makes druids druids, they are always going to be the most powerful. A girl can dream, dadgummit. <laughs> and clerics are going to come in second, followed by wizards. Uh, and I should also say, uh, I looked ahead a bit for like the spell list because there is a big old spell list of a bunch of spells. Uh, I think only like the SRD spells. But did they add sticks to snakes? No. Then I am not happy. However, they didn't remove any of the damaging spells clerics get. Yes, priests, the most deadly warriors on the battlefield. Yeah, have you seen anything in 40k? Oh my god, I just, my favorite thing, my absolute favorite thing, is that a cleric with spiritual weapon can out-damage almost anyone else. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and I love it. And spiritual weapon is still a spell they have. Yeah, and it's a great, if you're playing a cleric and you don't take spiritual weapon, that's fine. But you're going to be giving up a little bit of power. Yeah, same thing with Is Spirit that, Guardians. Uh, what? Same thing with Spirit Guardians. Eh, Spirit Guardians is more like... Spirit Guardians is a lawnmower, man. It's great for frontliners. 
Well, like I'm playing a uh, divine soul sorcerer in another game um, with dead and like me and a friend of mine, he's playing a cleric. I'm playing a divine soul sorcerer. So we get all the same spells. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm taking spiritual weapon. I'm debating spirit guardians. And he's like, oh, I'm debating spirit guardians too. And I'm like, you're the front liner of the two of us. You take spirit guardians. I'll take something else. Cause we don't need to double up. Cause he wouldn't have a game anymore if we both took Spirit Guardians. Yeah. It's also a very weird game in that I, the Paladin, have the least amount of health among the party. <laughs> I think you're beating me now. No, you're still winning by like three. Well, you'll beat me next level. You have a constitution of plus four. <laughs> I do. I rolled really well. I have a constitution of plus two. That's actually a question. Have they announced how they're going to be handling stats in one D&D? Uh, how do you mean? Well, rolling for stats is fun as hell, especially when you have my luck. But you got me playing Pathfinder, and the way Pathfinder handles stats is a lot more balanced. Okay. So I'm wondering if they've announced like anything to do with stats. They have not announced any change. That yeah. it's still 46 uh, drop the lowest out of a set of six. Wizards has not announced any changes to stat rolling or the arrays or point by or anything like that yet. Yeah, if they if they did like go over to another system, that seems probably... yeah yeah that seems like an incredibly core part of Dungeons and Dragons. That if they yeah. tried to change, people would shit themselves with rage. However, I could easily see them going like, "Hey, yeah, so here's the standard way to do it." Not, but not if you want, alternative option. Yeah, so let's get into the classes themselves. This document comes with three classes, Bard, Ranger, and Rogue, and each of those classes with one subclass. Ah, two of my favorite classes. And Ranger. <laughs> I still love Ranger, God damn it. <laughs> damn it. No, Ranger's a fun class. It's just... So, here's my experience with Ranger. In the first D&D game I was ever going to play, I'm looking through the core rulebook, and I see half-elf. <gasps> they get skills. I see bard. <gasps> they get more skills. And I tell my DM, I want to play a half-elf bard. And he says, that's gay. Play a human <laughs> ranger. <laughs> that is a dog shit DM. Yes. Uh, so I played a human ranger, and I was so bored. Because I was also the level one character coming into a level six campaign. Oh, so okay, yeah, your first D and D experience was awful. Oh, uh, the, the 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 actual group was great. It was what I got to do in the game that sucked. Like I spent most of my time eating pizza, and then my turn would come up. Oh, I shoot it with an arrow. I miss, <laughs> and that was my whole experience. I can't imagine that that group was very, very good, that they, that they kept coming back to play with a DM that much of an asshole. We were we were high schoolers, so that was kind of the standard behavior of high schoolers. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess my first D&D experience was 4th edition. Oh, man. I actually, like, had a really fun 4th edition game going, and then it just, like, disappeared because everybody got super bored with the gameplay. I could have had a fun 4th edition game if I knew we were playing 4th edition before the day we were playing it, and the DM was one DM and not two guys trading off randomly. Woo! And also ad-libbing the entire story. Hey, there's nothing wrong with ad-libbing the entire story. There is when it's two people ad-libbing off each other's ad-libs and neither of them can ad-lib. Yeah, that's bad. 
Anyway, back to uh, talking about. Uh, let's start. Let's start with Ranger, if that's possible, because oh, yeah, it's sure. the one I care least about. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'm gonna have the least reactions to it. Alrighty. So this document takes the takes all three classes from level one to level twenty with all their changes. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go through some of the. I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna like blaze through some of the stuff, but I'm probably just gonna end up reading everything because a lot of it. You want to know what what change stuff. So, hit die. Still a d10. Uh, Saving throws. Still strength and dex. Skills. So this is where a change came in. And this is not not an actual change. This is a thing they are doing for new people. Because, again, they are trying to make this one D&D the only D&D. So they got to make it as new, dumbass friendly as possible. If you want to play D&D, that's great. You're going to start a dumbass. All of us start dumbasses. Yeah, it's uh, it's normal, it's expected, and it, honestly, 20 years on, I'm still a dumbass. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I never stopped being a dumbass. Like, I know how to build more powerful characters now, but But, but then it's, all, but then it's always the one or two things that you never think about that are just integral to your survival. Yep. <laughs> I'm a dumbass, yeah. and I'll never deny it. Also, folks at home, be prepared as a DM and as a player to have at least half your party try to eat everything they kill. You know what? Let's actually have a question. Um, to everyone out there who plays D&D games, <laughs> how often do you just like, I wonder if that's edible in the game? How often? <laughs> like, just, just like... Is it anytime you kill something random or is it like when you're hungry or do you never do it and you think I'm crazy? Cause yeah, I mean, I'll eat giant cave spider. Why not? What's the worst that happens? I get sick. (sighs) (laughs) So skill. That's also part of why I think I've been hungry recently. (laughs) (laughs) Skill proficiencies. Ranger gets three. From among animal handling, insight, athletics, investigation, nature, perception, stealth, and survival. Now, see, here's actually something that I have always thought. I have always thought that D&D classes should just, well, classes in general, really, should just give you, like, proficiency in one or two skills as this is like essential to the class, man. You should <laughs> autom- like you should you're a ranger. Like and like like one skill per class would make sense to me. Like ranger, you automatically have proficiency in survival. Take pick two other skills from this list. Bard, you automatically have proficiency in performance. Pick two other skills from this list or however many bard gets. You rogue, you automatically have proficiency in stealth. Pick X from this list. Oh yeah, I I would not like that. It makes it makes sense to me. The amount of, the like, amount of rogues I have built personally that do not specialize in stealth at all. Like one of my favorite characters, a guy who I've barely been able to play, but I fucking love him. He's a con man. He's good at he's good at pickpocketing. He's good at talking his way into situations. He can't sneak for shit because he's nine feet tall. <laughs> who needs stealth when I have bonk? No, not even the fucking bonk thing. Who needs stealth when I can just talk to people? I mean, half of all of stealth is looking confident in places you don't belong. Yeah, like the amount of times that I've like run through scenarios of just like, I walk up to a gate and go, as I go and just try to walk in. 
And then if they stop me, I just talk to them until they let me in. You really want to bother your boss by going to ask him if I'm supposed to be here? Not even that. I just pretend I'm their boss. If if you want to get chewed out, go right ahead. I'll be here waiting patiently to get you fired. Yeah, this this dude got like forgery kits and shit. He can pretend to be, he can he can like forge another identity. So he just walks in. It's like hey, you can really lock you, boss, by 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 fucking uh, what what's the word? God damn it! By inconveniencing his fucking boss. Yeah, just um, like th- and then it's down to the DMs because there's like two types of DMs and how they'd respond to that. There's they know their boss doesn't have a boss. You're you're being dragged in for interrogation, which is the not fun DM. The fun DM rolls with it. And by that, I mean, he rolls insight against the deception and sees if the characters are flustered enough to buy it. Yep. That's why that's why you take expertise in deception and get the actor feet, baby. <laughs> anyway, be the fun DM. Yeah. Don't let your players do absolute nonsense, like say tie a bunch of enemies together and then use them as a flail. <laughs> but which, again, they will do. <laughs> but let your players eat the giant spider. Just you know, have consequences if you really don't want them to do that in the future. If you're five feet away from your house. <laughs> We were more than five feet away from our house. Don't you say that. If you were five minutes away from your house and had a backpack full of two weeks worth of rations and you've been underground for ten minutes. Please don't eat the giant spider. (laughs) So, those are the skills that a ranger can choose. What they recommend a ranger takes is athletics, stealth, and survival. That makes sense. That's that's a pretty solid layout. Um, and that's for, the main thing like, that they are doing with this, is that they are going, hey, you can still choose things. Here's what we recommend based on the based on the platonic ideal of what a ranger is. Yeah. Athletics to climb up trees, to cross large uh, distances quickly, uh, survival to survive. And track things. And... Uh, stealth to stalk up to the deer and just touch it instead of kill it because a true hunter can approach the animal and gently stroke it before it realizes that they're there and then you go back to the party and the party's like where the fuck's the meat we're hungry <laughs> we're eating touch deer stew <laughs> anyway <laughs> so they also get training in simple and martial weapons no tool proficiencies Get training in light armor, medium armor, and shields. And now they have their starting equipment. And this is another change that I personally very much enjoy. Yeah, didn't they declare that, like, we're just going to set a gold value for starting equipment and, like, background starting equipment and shit so that people could actually set up their own starting gear? So with the background thing, that was apparently already the way they built things. Now they're just making it a written rule. Yeah, which I appreciate. Yeah, in this... (laughs) This is a change they're making from the current system of, like, so the current system in 5e is, here's the recommended starting equipment. You can choose between these, you can choose between these, like, modal four options, or roll for, or roll for starting value and buy stuff that way. What this is, here's a list of things you get, or here's a, here's a set amount of money everyone in this class gets, buy your stuff. And that, I fucking love. Because oh, yeah, I the that. amount of times 
I have rolled four D4s and gotten gotten all ones. Yeah, it fucking sucks. And the amount of times where, like, like, that's actually one place where I don't always roll ridiculous. So I'll go in, like, four D4s. Yeah, I've got, like, 60 gold worth of stuff. And then someone's like, yeah, I got 200 gold. And I'm just sitting there like, the Funkin' Wagner? Yeah, having a having a disparity between classes is one thing, because different classes have different monetary needs. Yeah. Like, a like ranger, a, yeah, a ranger need needs money. A, a ranger needs more money than a bard, because a ranger has to buy ammunition. A uh, bard has to buy musical instruments. They don't have to. A bard has to buy musical instruments. <laughs> you know you get me. You know you can get a musical instrument as part of your background that doesn't take into your class money. Are you thinking of how you can say it again, or? No, I'm just sitting here silently until we move on. Okay. So, starting equipment the ranger gets. They get 20 arrows, an explorer's pack, a longbow, a quiver, a scimitar, a short sword, studded leather armor, and eight gold pieces. I like the variety of the scimitar and the short sword. I like a change they made to the short sword, where the short sword is now a simple melee weapon. Hmm, that, yeah, that's a good thing. That because the sense. short swords, I never understood why they are goddamn martial weapons. They are, in terms of like abilities and in terms of damage output, they are very much simple weapons. I cannot find an appreciable difference between the scimitar and the sor- and the short sword. Uh, doesn't one do piercing and one do slashing? Yep. That I, is an appreciable difference. I don't see a whole lot of... I may, maybe it's just because I haven't played with a whole lot of monsters. Is there a big disparity between things resistant to piercing and things resistant to slashing? I don't know. I, okay, so in D&D 3.5, there were like a lot of creatures that were resistant to one and not the other. Or resistant to... like like They were weak to bludgeoning. They were weak to slashing. They were weak to, pierce, weak to piercing. And like... That is why there is that difference. And I will never tell D&D, hey, make fewer weapons. Because <laughs> there already are two goddamn few weapons. Give me some weapon variety. Put katanas back in the game. Give me a fucking com- compound longbow. Give me some of the gear that I could buy and fucking, th- like, I'm going to say it again. Give me back 3-5 weaponry. Because hey, there was variety the in there. There was variety in there. Give me unique weapon traits. Uh. <laughs> so they also have rules for mar- for multiclassing with these new classes. Which the well, multiclassing get- yeah, the multiclassing rules are largely the same. Now let's get through the classes first, then we'll talk about multiclassing. Well, they're all just hey, you need to have thirteen in the primary ability of this class to get it. You get some of the proficiencies. Here you go. Okay. Yeah, it's it's five E multiclassing rules. Those work fine. Yeah, they're pretty solid. So, into goddamned class features. So at level one, you get three abilities. I will go through them one by one. First, first ability, expertise, because they are an expert. Expertise for those who- expertise my survival so that I can follow the animal tracks. Yep. Uh, for those who don't know, expertise is. You choose a skill you are proficient in. You double your bonus to it. 
It's just, hey, you are the best. You are one of the best in your region at this thing. This number proves it. The skills they recommend for a first level uh, ranger uh, with expertise are stealth and survival. I wonder why. Next up, favored enemy. Now, this has been a sticking point in every ranger build because every version of it has kind of sucked. Favorite foes okay. Even the ones that are even the ones that are better still kind of suck. Favorite foe still requires concentration. Yeah. Because we're talking about Ranger. Ranger has for the longest time in it as a joke been both memed and kind of really one of the weaker classes in 5e. Because so many of their things require concentration that you basically can't do anything really. Yeah, Ranger and Monk are too like like they really feel underpowered compared to everything else. Yeah, and I say that as a person who fucking loves monks. Oh, Monk is one of my favorite classes. If you give me a class that can survive without having any equipment, I will just be a happy panda. <laughs> uh but like and it's it's purely like I have actually managed to play a high level monk. Like, once you get past, like, level 12 as a monk, you start hitting a rhythm where you have enough key points to do just about anything you want to do. But until you hit level 12, it's like, well, I used up all my key points, and we still got half the day left. Can we take a short right now? Can I, like, take a nap on the cart? We don't have a cart? Fuck. <laughs> can the barbarian can the carry can me? Can the barbarian carry <laughs> Just can you, like, can, like, you make a papoose? Put me on a, put me on like, like, uh, like, like, put me in your backpack, maybe. Yeah, just like baby Bjorn me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's the same problem you run into with Warlock, where you run out of juice quickly if you're like using that juice readily. Um, Which they give but, you the juice, you're gonna use it. Yeah, and Warlock's a little bit better about it in my opinion because you don't, you aren't dependent on the the juice. Yeah, like you, you can you do still, stuff outside of it because you have all those at will powers. That yeah, you and you get. yeah, you still have like a bunch of the at will stuff. You still have cantrips falling out of your fucking ass. Yeah, whereas monk, I'm out of key points. I punch slower. Yay! <laughs> so favorite enemy, hunter's mark. You have it. It is always prepared, and it doesn't require concentration. Oh fucking yes. Instead, it just lasts for the full duration until you end it or you're knocked out. That, that is, is an improvement. That is a vast improvement. It's still not great that it uses spell slots because it's such uh, a, it uses because uh, it's still a spell. They should they, proficiency bonus times per day. Yeah, just fucking make like, it like. Like, make it proficiency bonus times per day, and then use his spell slots if you want to use it more. Or if you want to have Hunter's Mark be a thing that other classes can get, make it a fucking invocation. Or some shit like that. Where it's just, hey, you get this spell. It doesn't require a spell slot. You can cast it at will this many times a day. Fucking go nuts. Like, no, keep, but the thing is, keep it a spell. Keep yeah, it a keep, spell. Keep it a but spell. Ranger, get it as proficient, get... To use it for free, proficiency bonus times per day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's make make it basically a warlock invocation. 
Like warlocks, can, like warlocks get to cast mage armor at will, but mage armor is still a spell for other classes. Yeah. So there'd be this thing where, like, hey, you get hunter's mark as your fucking, I don't know, hunter's lore or some shit. Especially because rangers get so many good spells. Like anyone who says rangers don't get good spells, go play a druid and then tell me the same thing. Because rangers get druid spells. Yeah. Same thing as this. Rangers pull from the uh, primal spell list. And druids have some of the best spells in the game. Still, currently. Not even with one D&D in mind. Druids have, like, the best spell list. Like, if they got spiritual weapon, they'd have, like, the absolute best spell list. But they've got, like, one of the best spell lists. Competing with clerics. (laughs) Because clerics are, like... In 3.5, there was a phrase called Cleric or Druidzilla, because, <laughs> like, those two classes had the best spell lists, the best spells, they could survive melee really easily, and it's still true! It's just not as big a discrepancy now. It's still Cleric or Druidzilla. And so, moving on to the final first level ability Rangers get, spellcasting. Rangers are now effectively two-thirds casters alongside artificers. Nice. That's good for them. Where you get spells from level one, and you get a maximum of a fifth level spell. And the other thing they get is cantrips. Which they should have gotten from the cat. Yeah. uh, It's still, it's not a particularly vast number of cantrips. You get from level one to level nine, you have two. And from level 10 to level 20, you have three. Yeah, but, like, it's it's better than nothing. And they should have had cantrips always. Yep. And the other big change in terms of spellcasting, spells preparation. Uh-oh. Instead of having a spells known table, you prepare your cantrips and your leveled spells from the primal spell list every after every long rest. Holy shit. So you can change your cantrip every day. You can change your cantrip every day. Oh, that is a game funkin' changer. Yeah. Uh, so oh in my terms, god, that is such a game changer. In terms of the number of spells you can prepare, you can prepare a number of spells equal to the number of spell slots you have in each spell level. Which, personally, I don't mind. Yeah, I'm I'm fifty fifty on the change. Yeah, like, like, like ha- I always forget how many spells do I get to prepare, and that makes it really easy. But it does limit utility a little bit. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's just like having having the option of I can prepare like seven spells a day as opposed to three. I will always prefer that because I like having more spells. Yeah, more options. But even if you can only cast those three spells, like, are you going to, like, th- like, when you can prepare seven spells instead of three, you're going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll prep Goodberry, Entangle, and Cure Wounds. Why the fuck not? But when, like, when you've got three, you're going to be like, well, I, I got to prepare this and I got to prepare this because I need these. And uh-huh. I guess I've got to prepare this. Sure, you've got the versatility with your downtime or a change-up because you're going into a different kind of environment, but I kind of 
prefer more uh, bigger numbers. Yeah, bigger numbers as all D and D players love bigger numbers. However, I do understand why they are doing this because they are attempting to condense things down so that it's simpler for new people. Instead, instead of them having to do math, they look at a table and go, okay, I have two first and I have three second, so I can do this. Ah, so D&D is now standing for dumb and down. Got it. Yeah. I, uh, are you surprised? No. Just tired like, of it. Like, again, this, this is largely to welcome in new people who might be scared off by too much math. Which, hey, more, people play, spawn. more people play in the game. Good. That's a good thing. To which I respond, I hope they start looking at some of the other crunchier RPGs. <laughs> yeah, which they probably will. D&D, as popular as it is, is not it's a lot a of people's ride-or-die game. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, like, you can you compare a long-time D&D fan to a long-time long Vampire the Masquerade fan? No. Fuck, you compare you, you compare a long-time D&D fan to a long-time older edition D&D fan. <laughs> uh, I actually have a uh, friend who, like, started play in first edition, and he, to this day, says Thacko was the best way to calculate. Yeah, everyone <laughs> does that. Everyone's first edition of a D&D game is their favorite unless it's fourth. <laughs> Yeah, 4th edition was not the best move. Yeah, there's a reason that there has been a fucking quote-unquote renaissance about bringing back 1st edition D&D rules. Yeah, well, like, as a as someone who started with 3.5, there was a lot wrong with 3.5. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot, a lot wrong with 3.5. It was, honestly... It was cyberpunk levels of broken. <laughs> and by that, like, I don't mean like, oh, it was completely unplayable at launch. I mean, if you spent five minutes on a wiki, you could build a character that would make most DMs cry and make the DMs who actually, you know, know the rules laugh at you for only doing five minutes of research. You should have done 20. Yeah, the amount of stories you hear from 3.5 of... Hey, yeah, I made a level 10 character who set the atmosphere on fire. Or, fuck, as much as I love the story, The Fable of Sir Barrington. I made a level 5 artificer who built an entire flying city. Yeah. You could do, you could do ridiculous shit, but it was so ridiculous. It was completely illogical and, like... Okay, uh, there's actually one more thing I have to say before we continue. Stop trying to bring real-world physics into D&D. I shall grasp the pawn to kill everyone. Who was that that did that? That was, that was people from my in-person group. Okay. In multiple I, games after I told them no in a previous game. I had a player... Try to pull the peasant railgun on me. <laughs> and I said, Bitch, I have been playing DD for longer than you have been alive, and it doesn't work that way. It has never worked that way. As fun of a thought experiment as it is, it doesn't work. 
So anyway, back to Rangers and spellcasting. So Rangers at first level can prepare two cantrips and two first level spells. Any spell from the primal spell list that isn't evocation. Okay. That seems to be the way that they are separating out some of the, uh, like, it seems, it seems that seems to be the way they're divvying up the spell list for the different classes. Where everyone technically has the same spell list, but they just have, hey, you can't take this school of magic. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, and so, uh, like I said, they they get up to, they get up to they get up to fifth level spells. Uh, by the end of it, by level twenty, they will have three cantrips and then number of spell slots from first to fifth: four, three, 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 and two. Okay. And yeah, uh, their recommended spells for a first level are cure wounds, guidance, hunter's mark. And Thorn Whip. I agree with everything but Thunder Thorn Whip. I like Thorn Whip for Rangers. Because what the fuck is a druid going to do with it? I don't like Thorn Whip for Rangers because I feel like there's better damaging cantrips. I, it, for me, it's not a damaging cantrip. It's, like, it's the fact that it yanks them closer to you. But you're like... It's a 50-50 in that case. Because if you're an archery ranger, why the fuck do you want them closer to you? If yeah, you're but, a melee ranger, yeah, that's great for you. Yeah, and, like, that, that's, and that's the thing. Like, 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 that is their recommended thing, but you, can also, but you can also just take whatever the fuck you want. So if you're building a melee ranger, then you can go fucking, you can go fucking okay, my two cantrips, I choose shillelagh and fucking thorn whip. Yeah, no. Um, shillelagh is a bit more iffy, because, I mean, you're going to have swords. And you should have a decent dex mod, so you're going to use finesse swords. And I, I want. To... I built Borgar entirely around him getting Shillelagh. Fair, that's fair. Because um, Shillelagh is a fucking slapper of a cantrip. It is. It is like uh, we recently theory cra- started theory crafting the ultimate cantrip user, uh, with the idea being that he's able to keep up in combat at high levels. With just cantrips. Um, and obviously part of the intent is to get as many cantrips as possible with the ultimate build. And like Shillelagh plus Booming Blade was probably the best option we could come to. So dumb. Maybe Green Flame Blade. It's great. Yeah, it's just such good damage. Such good damage. Output. Yeah, so uh, Rangers cast with wisdom, as is as is their right. And is their birthright. Yeah, and rangers can use a druidic focus as their spellcasting focus, which I don't think they could do before. No, I don't think they could. The other thing that they changed about spellcasting, we talk about spellcasting, is ritual casting. So, un- up till now in five e, the only people who could ritual cast are people with the ritual casting s- class feature. Or take the feat ritual caster. Now, if a spell can be cast as a ritual and you can cast a spell, you can ritual cast that spell. I mean, that's a nice way to simplify it because it's never made sense to me. Yeah, it's like, all right, I cast detect magic. I take 10 minutes. I do the same thing, but I can't. I, I have ADHD. I can't focus. Every ranger has ADHD. 
Yeah, they can sit in a tree for three days waiting for their prey to come up, but they but spend more than spend more than six seconds casting a spell. Impossible. So moving on, level two, they get a fighting style. Uh, their options are archery, defense, two up and fighting. But here's the fun fucking thing: fighting styles are now feats. So they get one fighting style for free, and then they can take more. Yes, I like that. It's I great. love that because fighting initiate was one of my favorite feats in fifth edition. Because <laughs> I loved I there's there's so many good fighting styles, and they're good on every class. Yeah, like even if you're a mage, just grabbing up um like blind fighting so that you can drop darkness and then still murk people in the darkness. Yeah. Oh, so good pie. It's good pie. So normally, with the fighting styles, they are a, the one of their prerequisites is you are a class in the warrior group, which means uh, that barbarians and monks get fighting styles. See that 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 makes me sad. <laughs> with rangers, however, it specifically says whenever you get a feat, you can take a fighting style feat, even if you aren't part. Of the uh, of the warrior group, because the big thing with fucking experts is that they can take shit from other class groups. I like it because you fucking know, you goddamned know that paladins are probably gonna have that same thing, and also there will be other feats saying, "Hey, you can take a thing from a different class group." Yeah, that's true. Because that's the way it goes. That's the way it always goes. It's always been that way. Yeah, if paladins don't get uh, fighting styles, I'll be sitting here. They like, fucking better. <laughs> what? Uh, so third level ranger subclass. The one, the one featured in this uh, on Arcana is the hunter. We will get to that after we're going through all of the generic uh, class abilities. Generic ranger bullshit. So fourth level, you get a feat. Ability score improvements are now feats. So instead of being you get an ability score improvement or a feat, it's just you get a feat and you can take the ability score improvement feat. That works the exact same way as it does normally. Mm, that's nice. Yep. Fifth level, extra attack. Uh, seventh level, roving. Your speed increases by 10 feet when you aren't wearing heavy armor. You also gain a climb speed and a swim speed equal to your walking speed. That is awesome. But I immediately thought of textiles when you said roving. Because <laughs> that's unspun, like, organic material. <laughs> like cotton, wool, etc. Have you my eaten wife... today? No, my, I, I, I literally ate just before the recording. But my wife, uh, like, has been talking about getting roving a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, babe, we're not doing that. We don't have the facilities to turn that into thread. She's like, I know, but I want some. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, level 9, expertise again. You get two more skills for expertise. Uh, level 11, you get tireless. So, tireless gets two abilities. First, whenever you finish a short or a long rest, you can give yourself temporary hit points equal to 1d8 plus your proficiency bonus. Nice. And, if you are exhausted when you finish a, long, when you finish a short rest, your level of exhaustion decreases by 1. I know a ranger who would have liked that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, level 13, Nature's Veil. Uh, as a bonus action, you can become invisible until the start of your next turn. It costs a spell slot. That's that's awesome. Yeah, kind of. Like, just to, like, hey, I have invisibility <laughs> without having to have it on my spell list. Yeah, also, you can use a first level spell for it. Oh, fuck yes! Because it just says, you can expend a spell slot. This is a don't you wish your ranger was hot like me situation because I'm wishing the 5th edition ranger was this good. Yep. Uh, at 15th level, you have blind sight in a range of 30 feet. At 18th level, this is where the other biggest change has come with classes. You get foe slayer, which normally is the ranger 20th level ability. Every, every previously 20th level ability Classes now get an 18th level. Good. Capstones suck. Because usually if you hit level 20, that's like the end of the game. I will get to what the level 20 ability is later. But Foe Slayer, your Hunter's Mark now deals an extra D10 instead of a D6. It feels a little less powerful to be getting level 18. That... Yeah, honestly, if they had have made if they had have made Hunter's Mark be a thing that scaled with your level, like most uh, like a lot of damage cantrips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Having it be a D6 from level one to level 17 and then at level 18, when you're basically done, you get a D10 now. Like, honestly, that's that's not very good. Yeah, like on like I think we talked about it. I think I've talked about it before, but. Like, having Hunter's Mark so that you can like upcast it or something. No, fuck. Like, if if we're keeping with the thing of hey, make this just a regular fucking Ranger class ability, I would start at a D four, and then every couple levels it bumps up a die level. Or fuck, that just make doesn't it doesn't feel strong enough. Or fuck, make it just Bardic Inspiration. Have it that have it have that progression. I again, it doesn't feel strong enough to me. It probably yeah, like, it probably doesn't. But having it be a thing that increases regularly over time, because like one of the central ideas of the ranger is they are the ones who are like we we show up, we wreck house, and then we eat whatever we killed, um, to piss off the DM. <laughs> I did not know the Pathfinder <gasps> um, game was an all ranger game, but like. It's always they've always felt inferior to rogues when it comes to actually like killing things, and it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like I almost feel like rangers should get something similar but different to rogue damage progression. Yeah, I could see that, but so uh... maybe like make hunters mark progress at least for rangers like a rogue sneak attack. But it's only on one target, but it's guaranteed to go off on that one target. So that way it's different entirely from what rogues get, but they can still focus fire and kill something really well. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, hmm. I'm largely thinking of progression for like, because like we don't want it to just be, hey, it's sneak attack, but kind of worse. I, I would say it's sneak attack, but different. Because one of okay, the big yeah, that, things that's about fair sneak enough. Because sneak attack is situational, whereas this would be guaranteed against that foe. Yeah, may maybe have it be like sneak attack progression, but half. 
Sneak attack progression, but a D4. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you don't want people using all the caltrips? No, I feel like people... I... D4 might be my least favorite die type, I don't know. <laughs> I love D4. There's so much fun. But having so it, much fun. But having it be like an at-will ranger ability that scales with their level. Yeah, give it some kind of scaling. Like, even if it's you have to upcast it to scale it or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's fine. Just people don't mind up people don't mind upcasting spells. Make it better. Cause right now, like in current fifth edition, Hunter's Mark isn't really worth your time. Yeah, there are better abilities that you can use. Um, it's a concentration ability, it's just not worth your time. And in one D D, it sounds like after like fifth level, it's not gonna be worth your time. Yeah. Like, me... And that sucks because it's a core ability. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Anyway. Then at level 20, you get an epic boon. The thing they recommend is the epic boon of fortitude. But epic boons from the 5th uh, edition Dungeon Master's Guide are now just level 20 feats. I mean, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will get to what the uh, what those are when we get down to feats. But I I like that it is a thing. I li I like that like the ultimate class ability for that class you get a bit earlier. But it's still like, hey, level 20, you get a feat. Good you luck progressing. Good luck progressing further than this, bitch. Like, if they had any kind of progression beyond level 20, like, built into the game that people would, like, want to do. There used to be a thing called Epic Levels, which was, like, level 21 through 30. And that would be a really cool thing to see brought back. Just because it's like, yeah, in the normal world set, your levels 1 through 20. But once you hit level 21, you're fighting gods. <laughs> that shit would be epic. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really cool. But there's the fan. you find you fan. Yeah, uh, so before getting into the subclass, they released they also put out a list of basically what they what wizards believes the ideal spell progression for their ideal ranger would be. Which means they're wrong. Yeah. So I will read through this and let Cave scoff as necessary. Oh yay, fun. <laughs> so, first level. Guidance, Thorn Whip for Cantrips. First level spells, Cure Wounds, Hunter's Mark, which is always prepared, and Speak with Animals. I have no problems with any of those. Speak with Animals is a really great information gathering spell. Though those of you that assume a bird will be able to answer all of your questions need to fuck right off. Birds can't read. Uh, we have discussed my opinions on Thorn Whip, and again, it's 50-50 situational kind of deal. Yeah. Oh, um, also I should say, they changed guidance. Oh, no. So, with guidance, as I jump around trying to find the fucking altered text for the rules. Guidance is one of my favorite cantrips. <laughs> so, guidance. It is now a reaction. Okay, I like that. Range of 30 feet. The player rolls a d4 and adds it to the check. Once they roll a die, they cannot benefit from the spell again until they finish a long rest. 
Come on, make it a short rest. According to Jeremy Crawford, it is because they have had multiple stories from multiple full parties where they have built people, where they have built parties around every single person having guidance so everyone rolls every roll with a D4. God damn it, people. <laughs> Why you gotta ruin a good thing by being spamming bastards? Yep. Uh, so, at third and fourth level, ensnaring strike. Fifth and sixth, long strider, pass without a trace, and spike growth. Seventh and eighth level, bark skin, which they also changed. It's still no good on a ranger. How they changed Rangers it. get armor. <laughs> it's not armor anymore. How they changed it is, it's a bonus action to cast. Doesn't require a monetary component. That's good. Concentration up to an hour because it's still a ranger fucking spell. You touch one willing creature to protect it with regenerating bark. Until the spell ends, the tr target skin assumes a bark-like appearance at the start of each of the target's turns. They gain a temporary number. They gain a number of temporary hit points equal to your spell modifier plus your proficiency bonus. Okay, I have no problems with this spell on a on a ranger then because this at higher works. levels, you can target additional creatures. That's really good on a ranger. Like, it's great. In a mean, ranger it's still up. It's I, still a bit poopy that it's concentration, but yeah, it's poopy that it's concentration, but multiple targets, and it doesn't have a monetary component. Yeah, that's pretty damn. That's yeah, that gets my approval. Yeah, that gets a solid B minus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what all spells are available and all that jazz. So yeah, uh, I I will be going um, through. I'll be going through every change to the spells. At least uh, because I don't want to just sit down and read an entire spell list to you. Uh, well, so ninth level, Conjure Barrage and Elemental Weapon. Tenth level, they get Message. Because Message is just a very good spell. Did they improve it in this edition? Because uh, no. Message was a mediocre spell, in my opinion. I enjoyed it. It wasn't sending, but... I don't have as much problems with people with communication issues in D and D because I remember you hey. had because I remember you had a home rule thing of if you get sending you get message for free as part of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so because it's just like sent message is just uh, it's such the range is just garbage. So eleventh and twelfth level, take revivify because rangers now have revivify. And that's a great choice for anybody. Yep. Because you never know when when anybody's going to go down hard. Yep. I I feel like I'm in the minority of this opinion where I want death to matter, but I understand that it ruins campaigns. It really does. Because it ruined one of my campaigns. Almost every campaign I've had where a character has died... Unless it was like, hey, this is going to be a meat grinder. Don't get attached to your characters. The game has ended shortly after one or multiple characters died. It's just like, I don't really think we can play this anymore. And it sucks. It's only ever been in home games that it goes down like that. Because obviously, I like I watch actual play shows. 
those have people die. But then the pl- then players come back with new characters, and then it's like, hey, this is a bit awkward, but they find the dynamic real quick because they are professional performers who do that stuff. At home games, it's like, hey, this is my baby. I love him. I paid a bunch of money that I didn't earn from this to make some rando paint my paint my fucking character for me. Oh, they're dead? I'm going to go cry in a bathtub. Cry in a shower for me, but same diff. The shower is... I'm assuming you don't have a standing shower when you have a bathtub with a shower head in it. I have both. Maladida. <laughs> Mister, I can afford two kinds of showers. Oh, my father-in-law can afford two kinds of showers. I just live in his house. So, 13th to 14th, they get freedom of movement. Uh, 15, locate creature. 17, conjure woodland beings, conjure volley. 19th, tree stride. The only problem I have is conjure woodland, conjure woodland beings. Yeah, and again, that is the that is the wizard recommended for the wizard's ideal build of an archer. That is wizards approved. Yeah. A wizard looked at that ranger and went, oh, that's a ranger. And then they were like, no, I'm a druid with a bow. God. Yeah, and then some dude from around the back with a fucking, like, just billy club walked. I was like, I'm the fucking ranger. Some dude wearing full plate with a billy club walks around from the back. Yeah. And then he just runs off. You hear him screaming, stop trying to eat my fucking spider. <laughs> he's not dead. He's just sleeping. Uh, 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 you expect <laughs> to find that he's yelling at a goblin, but no, he's yelling at a well-dressed gnome. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was a bit peckish and I thought he was dead. <laughs> like, fuck off. It's like, all right, fine, I'll go home. Walks into the house he was standing in front of. Honey, no giant spider for dinner. <laughs> oh, dear. The children were so looking forward to it. <laughs> well, children, I guess it's foie gras again tonight. <laughs> uh, can we have pate at least? No, you're saving pate for pate Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, oh, I needed that laugh. So, moving All on right. to the subclass. Yep, the... tell me about Hunter. So, at third level, you get Hunter's Prey. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack or an unarmed strike as part of the attack action... No, so, uh, subclasses are still, you've got to wait a fuck ton of levels to get. It looks like, for these guys, third level. All right, so, just going to take a pause here. Wizards, I don't want to play every other ranger. I don't want to play every other rogue. I don't want to play every other bard. I want to play my bard. But when you don't give me access to the thing that makes my bard special until level three, I'm sitting there like, well, guess I'm playing the same as every other bard. I understand the idea of you want some progression, something to work towards, but that's why you put abilities at higher levels. You give me some shitty little ability at first level, but then I'm still a hunter ranger from level one. I hate to be that guy, but you're taking a bunch of other shit from Pathfinder. Yeah, no, I am like, this is something that Pathfinder does right. But this is also like, so... I'm also going to go back to 3-5. 
in 3.5, you started customizing for whatever uh, advanced class, I can't remember the proper name for them, you were going to take from level one. And if you weren't going to take an advanced class, you were still customizing your character. And that's the thing D&D has lost over the years, is customization. Because not, I will say, not every character is the same. Dead specifically likes building characters that are ridiculously against standard. Sorry. Um, but I love, I absolutely love customization. I love being able to build that quirky, weird character who's just like got one point in a random skill. But that one point is to represent that he did that for a while before he became an adventurer or some shit. I, and I, it, it just feels restrictive when I'm looking at D and D fifth edition, D one D and D. And I'm saying, I've got to start this game at level three so that these characters actually feel like their characters. I, I've, I've got to wait for so long before I actually get the thing that makes my character unique. I'm. It's also not great when you have motherfuckers like clerics who get their shit from level fucking one and they are special, unique flowers in the universe. Wizards get their shit from level two. Like, even if everybody got their shit at level two, that would be way better. Everybody would get it, which is important. And B. Then it's like, okay, first level, I am a nobody. Second level, I have finally ascended to the point where I'm actually able to do something. (laughs) I will say something that they did do with this revision is they standardized the levels at which you get stuff from your class. That's nice. Yeah, now every subclass, at least the ones that they list, get their abilities at 3rd level, 6th level, 10th level, and 14th level. That's nice. Yeah, it's... Standardization isn't bad. Yeah, I'm not complaining about, I'm not complaining about that. I just wish that, like, it was 1st yeah, level. Yeah, we, we, are, we are calling for more standardization across classes of, hey, you get your shit, like, at the same level everyone does, and, and you get and it a bit earlier. That it happen- yeah, that it happens a little bit earlier, because level one sucks so much ass. Level one is garbage. Nobody likes being a level one character. Yeah. In es- D&D. Yeah, especially... Like, no- there's some stuff that's fun in other systems, but in D&D, level one is, I can be killed by a stiff breeze, and yeah. I can't kill anything. Yeah, and then the wizard was already killed by a stiff breeze. <laughs> Dies of 1d4 stiff breeze damage. Exactly. These memes exist for a reason. So anyway, Hunter's Prey. Whenever you hit a creature with a weapon attack or unarmed strike as part of the attack action, the weapon or unarmed strike deals an extra d8 damage if the target is missing any hit points. You can only deal this damage once per turn. I mean, that's pretty good damage output add-on there. Yeah, add that with Hunter's Mark. Yeah, that's uh, 2d8, d6, and then dexterity modifier. That's pretty solid. Yeah. What level is this again? Third? Third. Yeah, that's pretty solid for third level. Yep. Uh, Sixth level, Hunter's Lore. When you mark a creature with Hunter's Mark, you know any 
immunities, resistances, and vulnerabilities the creatures have if they have any. That, and that makes you the knowledgeable one that isn't metagaming. Yeah, it's almost like you're a hunter who has specialization hunting creatures and monsters. Yeah, that's actually pretty decent. Any damage increases? Nope. So now you're dealing 3d8 plus dex twice plus 1d6. You're starting to fall off on the damage. Well, no, 2d6, you're doing two attacks. Hunter's oh, yeah, Hunter's Mark, Mark is every attack. On each attack. Okay, then you're keeping up with damage. You're keeping yeah. up with damage. Tenth level. This is weird. Multi-attack. It's not what you think. You, I feel like that's in the title. Multi-attack. It's not what you think. You always have Conjure Barrage prepared. Nice. And you can downcast it. How do you downcast something? Whatever the upcasting is for like die level increases, you do that in reverse. Okay. So a third level, Conjure Barrage, for those who don't know, Conjure Barrage is you either throw or fire one piece of ammunition, which then explodes out into a 60 foot cone of damage. Everything That's in actually it, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good damage. Everything in it makes a deck save or they take 3d8, I think, piercing damage. That's what arrows do, so I'd assume. Yeah. It was easy. Let me, let me actually double check that so I am not just speaking out my ass. Conjurage. You can speak out of another orifice? I can only speak out of my ass. Okay, so it's so the am so the it, so the damage is whatever the damage type of the thing you threw was. So if since it's usually going to be an arrow piercing. Yeah, it could be a hand no, that's a, Well, it also suggests that they might have different ammo types, which no, like. That, like that that is that is the that is the description from the fifth edition rules. Oh, okay. Because it's also thrown weapons, so hand axes, darts, daggers, javelins, rocks, rocks, <laughs> sling bullets. Oh my god, bludgeoning damage just in that. Area. Yeah, just, just you, you, I threw you, a rock at him. Yeah, you get out your sling and then just boom. a lot of rocks. But yeah, and so then you can cast it as a, as a first or second level spell slot, and for every spell slot below third, you remove a d8 from the damage. So a first level conjure barrage does a sixty foot cone of one d8 damage, which is great when you're taking out swarms. Yeah, and it's also great. When you want to save your higher level spell slots, but still want to do ridiculous damage to a whole swath of people. Hey, that's an enemy army. Not anymore. <laughs> that's an enemy army that got hit in the shins. <laughs> Death from the ankles up. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> and then at level 14, superior hunter's defense. When you are hit by an attack roll, you can use your reaction to have the damage against you and then redirect the other half of the damage to someone else within five feet who isn't the attacker. Not great for a 14th level ability, but still a fun ability. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it is just rain. It is just rogue uncanny dodge with, with, with theatrics. Yeah. But I feel, I still, I feel still like maybe make that a little it's fun ability. Bad. It's not bad, but it's not great. Like, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, so, 
Who would you like to hear about next? Oh, uh, let's go on to Rogue, because I feel like Bard's going to be complicated. Alrighty. So, Rogues. They don't get sneak attack anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... <sighs> so, Rogues. D8 hit dice per level. Uh, saving throws in dexterity and intelligence. Skills. They get to choose four from acrobatics, athletics, deception, insight, intimidation, in- investigation, perception, persuasion, sleight of hand, and stealth. I love that Rogue gets, like, the detective abilities. Yeah. Uh, so you so you can play Moriarty or Sherlock Holmes? If either of them was very prone to stabbing people in the darkness a lot by themselves. They never stabbed anyone. Says, thems- they didn't stab anyone themselves. Who says you have to use sneak attack? <laughs> Just like you don't have to take stealth. You don't have to use it. There's a big it's a difference social, there. It's a, it's a social game, uh, Dead. We're not using actual attack rolls. God. This is all about the RP, man. This is Regency. <laughs> I say watching currently a Regency D&D game. I actually really love RP, like, only D&D. It's so much fun. You might like this new season of Dimension 20, then. It's Regency, but everyone's fairies. I maybe, I'll maybe look at it. They have a brand new, uh, they have a somewhat homebrewed uh, social status tracking ability. And while we're advertising another group, feel free to, you know, like, sub, whatever you do on whatever service you are, just so that you can keep track of what Death Door Prods posts. Uh, so their so wizards recommended skills for their ideal build of a rogue. Oh, I will no. say that every time. Let's Acrobatics, investigation, sleight of hand, stealth. Swap uh, is athletics a class skill for athletics rogue, is or? a class skill for rogues. Swap acrobatics for athletics. Absolutely, because. You're not tumbling up a building, you're climbing a building. And the classical idea of a rogue is a second story thief. So, I'm going to guess that thief is the subclass. You'd guess right. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I I will I will say this every time. I understand why players want to use acrobatics because the majority of the time they build dex-based characters because dex-based characters have the the have the theatrics of flippy shit. And flippy shit is cool. There's a reason the young bucks are very popular. Fucking Jim Cornette. I'm not going to ask who the young It's bucks wrestling are. jokes. We move on. <laughs> yeah, these are wrestling jokes. And so for a lot of characters they will prioritize their dexterity over their strength. Not just because of that, but also because dexterity affects your armor class. Yep. It's just so, better for uh, rogues. Well, not just rogues. Like, monks, fucking rangers, the ideal ranger. Most spellcasting abilities, because they want to, like, prioritize their main ability and then dex and con so that they can be survivable. Mm-hmm. Like, when was the last time you saw a wizard with a strength higher than 12? Uh, if it wasn't you building it, I haven't. Exactly. So they, so most players will probably have a better deck score than their fucking strength score. So them wanting to use their fucking acrobatics to climb shit because acrobatics is tied to decks. 
I get the I get the inclination. GMs, you can say no to players though. Athletics, it's literally the eleventh word in the description of athletics, where it encompasses all aspects of climbing. Acrobatics is for landing and balancing on things. You, you want an example? Try to flip up. Just. And if you can't do that, then try to flip us off. Yeah. In the comments below. I'll at least listen. I won't care, but I'll listen. They get proficiency with simple weapons. And martial weapons that have the finesse property. They also get thieves tools and training with light armor. Uh, so, starting equipment. They have... 20 arrows, a quiver, a short bow, a burglar's pack, a short sword, two daggers, thieves tools, light leather armor, and 18 gold pieces. Or Ooh, 18 gold pieces. Yeah, or you get 110 starting gold and buy whatever you want. 18 gold pieces. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a decent equipment setup. Yeah. Honestly. So judging by caveman, judging by caveman's thing, uh, you can do that equipment or have 92 gold pieces to buy equipment with. <laughs> 18 gold. <laughs> I stole this off a guy earlier today. I stole it from his loincloth. Don't ask. <laughs> Anyone want a musky gold piece? I'm dying of here. <laughs> oh, madre de Dios. Oh. So, rogue class abilities. Level one, expertise. Expertise in two skills. Doesn't include thieves tools. Okay. I Which, mean, I almost never expertise my thieves tools. I almost always expertise my thieves tools. Eh. I figure like 90% of the time it's not a desperate situation to get a lock picked. I will prioritize thieves tools over stealth. Damn. That's the kind of rogue I play, motherfuckers. Get on my level. I'd rather not. I like my level. It's quiet. <laughs> my level's quiet, too. It's just my gas. <laughs> so, sneak attack. Sneak attack works like you expect it to. You sneak up on someone and attack them. Yep. You hit, you hit someone with an attack roll using a finesse weapon or a ranged weapon, and if you have advantage or an ally is within five feet, once per turn... You can fucking do that. Uh, it scales the way it's always scaled. Sneak attack. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it hasn't been broken in like four editions. Yeah, like... Sneak attack is... Kind of a perfect class ability? Yeah. It's it's what I consider the metric for any good DP, DPR build. Yeah, if it, um, yeah, like, hey, is this, like, for me, it's like, hey, is this class ability as good as sneak attack? Not necessarily in terms of damage output, but just in terms of scalability and usability? No? How it feels. Then redesign it again. How it, like, like, sneak attack is, sneak attack, I feel, is the gold standard. And it's one of the reasons why I actually really like fighters as a comparable class. Because fighters can match the damage output of a rogue. Just because they get that multi-attack, they get that like extra attack so often. Yeah, they can attack like seven times. And 
using a D8 weapon or a D10 weapon, or hell, if you really want to make the rogue cry, a 2D6 weapon. weapon. <laughs> like, just, oh, hey, dealt a D4 plus 10D6? Cool. Let me just take my turn. I just dealt 10D6 plus my other shit all the time. Fuck you. Get on my level, scrub. Scrub lord. And then the rogue just disappears and stabs you in the ass. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like the rogue disappears and stabs you in the ass. And the fighter's like, hmm, that tickled. Because <laughs> they have too much HP. Yeah, and then, wait a minute. Where's my gold? And my armor? And my weapon? <laughs> and my penis? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wait. I was always a woman. I was always a woman. That's okay. <laughs> the number of times I've had players forget their gender. Because <laughs> I've, I've actively had, like, NPCs, like, Hey, uh, ma'am. And then the part would be like, is one of us a woman? We have a woman? What? <laughs> and it's like, yes, you, you're a woman. Oh, yeah. We have a femoid present. Moiety. Uh, oh, thank God I haven't had that happen in a while. I haven't had that happen, period. I run a lot of games for young assholes. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, I don't. Anyway. And if you're a young asshole... Fuck off. Uh, so, last first level ability, Thieves Can't. You know Thieves Can't and one other language of your choice. Okay, Thieves Can't is worth worth your time then. It's better. Because <laughs> no DM uses Thieves Can't. <laughs> I do. I have, I've never experienced Thieves Can't actually coming in handy. I've done it twice because I try to interact with local Thieves Guild whenever I go into a new area. I've tried that and been told there is no Thieves Guild in this area. Or, my favorite one, you don't know how to find the Thieves Guild. Bitch. <laughs> I am the Thieves you Guild, motherfucker. Thieves Can't work? <laughs> yeah, it, Thieves Can't is as good of an ability as, as, directly, as directly relatable to how your DM runs Thieves Guilds. Yeah. Yeah. But no, so, so, ha- so giving you just another language on top of Thieves Can't is just great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great utility. Yeah. And classes, they don't get worse with more utility. Yeah. They get better, yeah. more likable. So, second level. And the more languages you, you make available in the game, the more likely it is that DMs and players will actually put language to use in their game. Yeah. Instead of being like, Nah, it doesn't matter. Everyone speaks common. What language do you speak? Oh, it doesn't matter. Any of you can read it. Or worse, uh, none of you speak this language that was intrinsic to my storyline, so no lore for you. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just looks over it, and then he just looks over like disapprovingly at the wizard and warlock for not taking the spell reading abilities. Comprehend uh. languages is on both of your lists. Also, Warlocks just get it out, get an evocation where they can read all writing. So fuck, warlocks can read thieves can't. True. So level two, cunning action. It's cunning action. Second verse, same as the first. Honestly, rogue is just a good metric. It is a spectacularly built class. 
Like, if you just, like, look at Rogue, and honestly, pretty much any of their subclasses, because all of the Rogue subclasses, I feel, are fair representations of what you want they're, of that kind of subclass. They're very good, and when we get into talking about Thief, I think they made a solid, I think they made some decent changes to Thief. That's impressive, because honestly, while while I do think Thief is one of the weaker subclasses, it is by no means a bad subclass. It is a very good subclass. Yeah, Thief, I think, is my second favorite rogue subclass after Swashbuckler. Mm. I really love Swashbucklers, dude. Swashbuckler is really good. I'm not, I have no qualms with Swashbuckler being, like, number one. But I'd probably put, like, like Mastermind as my second. Masterminds are very good. I. This is entirely for flavor reasons. I like climbing things. I think it's mastermind. I think it's like swashbuckler, mastermind, inquisitive, scout, and then thief. With arcane trickster holding its own weird place because it does not really fit the others. Yep. And meanwhile, assassin cries in the corner. Yes, I actually completely forgot assassin. Was I know. A thing. I know. I know you did. <laughs> They forgot about Assassin. Again, Assassin oh. isn't bad, but it is very boring. Uh, I kill it harder. <laughs> That's the Assassin subclass. Like, Assassin, their primary ability is entirely dependent on whether or not your DM thinks to run surprise encounters. And then the Assassin behind us both just says, and then now you die. <laughs> He just goes up, yari yari yari. <laughs> Henshinizer. <laughs> oh my wa, no shigeru. <laughs> oh, and then they run away because you turn around and go, nani? <laughs> <laughs> no, they just turn around and go, hey, we have a letter for your parents. <sighs> Which then they have to make a wisdom saving throw, and if they don't, they waste their turn brooding. Ah, <laughs> oh, D and D culture. Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, so, fifth level, Uncanny Dodge. It's Uncanny Dodge. It's goodbye. Yep. Uh, seventh level, Expertise it's what again. It makes a rogue tank effective. Yep. Uh, second, uh, seventh level, Expertise again. Ninth level, Evasion. It's what make a rogue, makes a rogue tank effective. How do you feel about them bumping up the level by two? Not bad, because rogues, honestly... Uncanny dodge and evasion are two of my least favorite abilities to see on a rogue because it just makes them feel so much more powerful because they can have decent AC. And then when you do hit them, they just ignore you. So uncanny dodge is a bit less than that. Cause you can only do it once. Yeah. Once per round. Right? Yeah, yeah. Once, once per round. But if you have like people like focus firing or like massive spell effects that don't require an attack roll or multi-attack, then they evade. They evade. Well, no. So the evasion, that's the one that gets my fucking goat. Because even yeah. though I fucking love evasion, because I also love monks. Yeah, it's just. It is it's a, a busted little, ability. It's a little powerful, especially on a dex-based class. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, and like the amount it, of, the amount of, like, like, some of the most damaging spells, or the most like mean damaging spells, the most well-known ones that everyone takes are dex-based. Like, one of my like favorite builds for just saying no fuck you is uh Bladesinger Wizard 2 
uh, Armor Artificer uh, 9 and Rogue, like, for the rest of it, just because Rogues get that tasty, tasty sneak attack. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, my AC is like 40. That one, like that one time you hit me with a critical, I uncanny dodge, and then I'll evade the rest of it. And it's just so fucking irritating yeah. to go up against it. It's one of the reasons I, I fucking loved the lore master unearthed arcane for wizards mm -hmm. where you could change the saving throw required by a spell. It's a little powerful, but yeah, it's a little powerful, but you can only do it once a day and it was funny. <laughs> Yeah, it'd I'm just, be great up against rogues. Yeah, I'm just going like, all right, I throw a fireball at the rogue. Make me a con save. And for those of you saying, oh, well, you can just homebrew it. It's like, no. No, nah, I... There should be ways within the normal rules. And to be honest, most of the, like, other good spells, like, like they, they, they target decks. Most of the good damage spells target decks. Yeah. Uh, most of the non, like most of the things that don't target decks aren't damaging spells. So you're like holding the rogue in place while you stab it. Yeah, like like the best things I can think of for like damaging spells that don't require decks is like Cone of Cold. And I feel like there's like some good ones that target like intelligence and stuff, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Fuck, Disintegrate is a deck save. Yeah. I uncanny dodge your disintegrate. Yeah, well, no, it, they, they can't uncanny dodge. They have to evade it. Oh, yeah. I evade your disintegrate. Fuck you. Yep. Uh, so, 11th level, reliable talent. If you would, whenever you make it's an ability, ability check, you get a 10. It's a good ability. Yeah, it's, they literally just turn taking 10 and taking 20 into a class ability. Mm-hmm. 13th level. And it's faster, like... Yeah, like it, that's just that's nice that it's like you don't have to take 10 and take like 10, 20 minutes on a thing. You just do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, 13th level subtle strikes. I believe this is a new ability for rogues. I'm I'm all ears because I hope this is what I think it is. You have advantage on any attack rolls that target a creature that is within five feet of one of your allies. Never mind. I was hoping it was there was a there was a thing in another system where like you could deal like almost no damage or something and they wouldn't notice that you attacked them. So like you would just like slowly chip away at them until they died and just be constantly like underfoot hiding, sneak attacking and shit. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, or like you'd use it to apply poison to the enemy subtly. Like yeah, if D and D, at least the versions I've been playing, not a whole lot of like poison. Yeah, poison sucks. I hope they fix that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it. According to Jeremy Crawford, because they released videos about all these subclasses that I read, that I watched, and Jeremy Crawford was like, was like, hey, yeah, like, uh, like original sneak attack stuff is like an on-off switch. This is just an on switch and then a better on switch. Because Good. because. You already like you already have sneak attack from the ally bigger than five feet, so the advantage doesn't give you sneak attack. It's just now you just have you just roll with advantage way more, which is very good. Yeah, that's good pie. I like yeah. my I like good pie. Yeah. Uh, so fifteenth level, slippery mind. You gain proficiency with wisdom and charisma saving throws. At seventeenth level, elusive. So long as you aren't unconscious, no one can have advantage on you. 
At 18th level, Stroke of Luck, the former 20th level ability. If you fail a d20 test, which is their new term for attack rolls, ability check, saving throws, you can make it a 20. You can only do this... Fucking Wagner, that's awesome. You can only do this, though, once per rest, short or long. Okay. I approve of that, because, like, that keeps it usable, but not OP. Yep, and then level 20, Epic Boon. Uh, Their recommended is the Epic Boon of Undetectability. Yeah, I can see that. Which, uh, for what that one does, you can't be seen or heard by any means while hidden. No one can scry on you. No one can use magical senses to fucking hear you. You can't, like, tremor sense doesn't detect you. You are just gone. Ghost. Yeah, I didn't also, I don't think I mentioned it for Rogue either, but with, sorry, for Ranger either, but Rangers get, uh, the recommended is Epic Boon of Fortitude, which is your hit point maximum increases by 40. Shit. <laughs> I mean, at high levels, that's not that much, but shit, that's, that's good. That's good pie. Yep. And whenever you regain hit points, including from other people's healing spells and healing potions, you add your con mod to it. You can only gain those hit points once around. But still, like getting a fucking like getting like a fucking plus three con and then every fucking it's like, hey, I cure hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna healing word you. It's a D four plus eight. That's good pie. Yeah, that's just good. That's good pie right there. Uh so that does it for rogue that does it for generic rogue abilities. Now on to the thief. Who are you calling a thief? Me, bitch. I know. <laughs> so, at level three, you get Fast Hands, which is, uh, which is, uh, you can use your cutting action, your bonus action thing, to do two new abilities. Sleight of Hand, to pick a lock, disarm a trap, or pick a pocket. And, pick a pocket. Yeah, and Search. Search is a new action that encompasses a few things. Uh, bah, 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 bah. The search action allows you to. Your search action is basically a wisdom check to discern something that isn't obvious. Oh, that's going to save so many D&D players, especially myself. Yeah, which uh, the things that they include is like, hey, you want to like detect a creature's state of mind? Insight. Medicine for any kind of ailment a thing might have. If like someone gets poisoned by something and you're not sure what it is, you can just go, all right, action, medicine check. Uh, perception. That's now just straight up an act. It's now just straight up an action, and I'll just go. Can I make a perception check? It's a free action to find a hidden creature. Wasn't it always like to find hidden? It's an action. It always was. No one plays it like that. They should. The amount of people I've seen. It, it might just be because of one game I've been watching. But the amount of people who are like, "Hey, can I make an insight check as a free action to determine what this thing's going to do when it's turned, so I can plan accordingly?" No, that's not how that works. Uh, this was the same DM that let someone investigate a room for their to investigate a room to perceive their arcane spellbook using a religion check. I've this told is you about this. A bad DM. No, they're 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 a great DM. It's just they were running a live game and were very flustered. Okay, that that is that's fair. 
the, the amount of times you see, yeah, the amount of times you see this DM literally swiping swaths of sweat from his forehead in the middle of a combat scenario because he's under studio lights, hosting a show, running a game while maintaining, hey, I need to, I have this many episodes to complete this storyline, and then my players are all comedians. Chuckle fucks, you mean? Yeah, it's a great fucking game. I love Dimension Twenty. It is not the most rule as written show at all. And I will always clown on that specific bit from the live game, but I completely understand a lot of the rules mess ups they do. Can I use a religion check for anything? No. No, you can't. Yeah. Religion is not a useful skill. I will say that that that, that like that that situation followed another situation where a person where that same character where that same player tried to do that same bullshit and the DM was like hey you know what kind of fuck you because the player they were like hey yeah I want to get to the first floor before this guy I want to jump out the window and use my ribbon dance to like a bullwhip no keep in mind they have a dexterity of four not a modifier of four a dexterity of four oh my god no no you'll just die they almost did uh, they fell. Now, they fell ten stories. I, I will allow a thorn whip as a grapple hook. <laughs> they were a cleric. But... Why did they have a ribbon dance? Because a big joke, a running joke in that thing was people got really into dance. Again, they're comedians. Dimension twenty is great. I love it. Anyway. Other third level ability you get is second story work. You now have a climb speed, just straight up. Faster than the ranger, too. Yep. And when you take the jump action, because jumping is an action now, you can make it a dexterity check instead of a strength check. Hey, for everybody who wants to use acrobatics, you still can't use acrobatics, but it's closer. Uh... At 6th level, Supreme Sneak. You have advantage on all stealth checks so long as you aren't wearing medium or heavy armor. That's good pack. That's just great. That is a strict upgrade of what it, what it used to be, which was yeah. you have advantage on stealth checks so long as you don't move more than half your movement speed. Yeah, that's good pack. Uh, it'll, and then, um, it'll make the game go a little bit faster. Yep. 10th uh, level, use magic device. Excuse me. Uh, this is kind of the classic high-level thief ability of thieves can just use magic shit from whatever. They don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. They've changed it slightly. So, you can now attune to up to four magic items at once. If you are using a magic item that would expend a charge, roll a d6. If you roll a six, you don't expend any charges. Nice. You still have to declare how many charges you're using before you do this. So you can't just go, all right, I'm going to use this thing. Roll six. Okay, cool. I use all charges. I burn everything to burn it all down. Yep. And then they can use scrolls. Nice. Uh, this, yep, they, uh, they can cast any spell scroll that uses a cantrip or a first level spell just as part of the action to use it. Any spell of second level or higher, they have to make a successful Arcana check, 
with a DC equal to 10 plus the spell's level. On a successful check, they cast the spell from the scroll, which uses their intelligence, because rogues are mainly intelligence. Like, that's... Rogues' secondary ability is intelligence, largely. Uh, yeah, they use, the spell casting, they use the intelligence and spellcasting ability for it. If they fail the check, the scroll disintegrates, the spell lost. And then finally, at level 14, Thief's Reflexes. You get a second bonus action. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Yeah, it can only use a bonus action from your cunning actions, but what the fuck else are you going to do as a bonus action, dude? Yeah, like that's just good pie. Yeah, you can only use it. You can only have a second bonus action a number of turns equal to your proficiency bonus, and regain all expended uses at a long rest. But it's still fucking great. Of just like, of just like, hey, you are in a situation where you need to dash and hide behind this thing, but you still want to attack stuff. So you've cool. You fucking attack and then bonus action dash, bonus action hide. I should also say I've been talking about hide a lot. They've changed up a bit how hide works. Hidden is now a condition that you have. Okay. How the hide action works is you must make a DC 15 stealth check. If you do that, you become hidden. You have to be either heavily obscured or behind at least three quarters cover and be out of line of sight of enemies. Whatever your check total is, that's the DC people have to make on a perception check to find you. Okay. So as you get high enough level, and you roll a 35 stealth check to hide, you have a DC 35 to find you. Ha sha sha. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so, while you are hidden, the condition hidden, you are concealed. You aren't affected by any effect that requires a target to be seen. If you are hidden when you roll initiative, you have advantage on initiative. Attack rolls against you are at disadvantage, and attack rolls you have are at advantage. Which means that if you do the thing of, I run behind a pillar and, go and hide... If they don't move to get a line of sight on you, they can still attack you just at disadvantage. And you still have advantage on attacking them. Because again, kind of like a Pathfinder thing, it's less, th it's less they don't know where you are, it's more they don't know where you're going to pop out. Mm -hmm. And the condition ends when one of the following things happens. You make a sound louder than a whisper, an enemy finds you, you make an attack roll, you cast a spell with a verbal component, or you aren't heavily obscured or behind any cover. So if you have a so if you have a spell that is somatic components only, or you take like a fucking, or you take like oh fucking sorcerer like the metamatic adept and get to get subtle spell, and then you cast a spell that requires a saving throw, you stay hidden. I really like that. Yeah, that's really good. Like not just as a power thing, but just as a like good thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's Rogue. Now we move on to Bard. I just want to say one thing about Rogue. Yes? 
It's setting the metric again. <laughs> and it's already making Ranger look bad. <laughs> like, sorry, Ranger. Try and be more like your brother. Well, Rangers can hide too and also get expertise in stealth. Yeah, still making Ranger look bad. <laughs> I still enjoy Ranger. Um, Rogue is better, but I do I, like Ranger getting their other abilities. I will need to see more subclasses from I, them. My biggest thing is Rogue gets some Ranger shit and gets it earlier. Like, that's the big problem. They really, like, uh, they need to fucking sit down and from the ground up work on Ranger. Yes, Ranger needs a lot of help. Um, and I really hope that they manage to figure out something to make it work better. Yeah. Because it's not bad. It's just not very good Yeah. yet. So, moving like, on to Bard. Bard. Hit points are a D8. As is their want. Saving throws are Dexterity and Charisma. Skill proficiencies, any three skills of your choice. They're recommended. Deception, Performance, Persuasion. That is their platonic ideal of a bard. Deception, Performance, and what? Persuasion. You know, the Charisma abilities. Eh, Okay. Uh, weapons, they get simple weapons. And tools, they get three musical instruments of their choice. Armor training, they get light armor. Starting equipment, they get a dagger, an entertainer's pack, leather armor, a short sword, a musical instrument, one of your choice, and 18 gold pieces. Or 100 gold and get whatever you want. Ah, I heard my favorite, 18 gold pieces. So 92 gold pieces, so sorry, 82 gold pieces, get whatever you want. I will also say, um, remembering from previously, uh, musical instruments, they did make a slight change with those, where they are tool proficiency, where they are like tool proficiency now, and all musical instruments cost 20 gold apiece. It's nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do not know. So far, I have no problems with this. Like, uh, yeah. It sounds like a bard to me. So, first level. They get Bardic Inspiration. Bardic Inspiration is now a reaction. Okay. It still progresses as it normally does. going Starting with a d6, then going d8, d10, d12. Uh, whenever a creature within 60 feet of you uh, fails a d20 test, you can use your reaction to give them a Bardic Inspiration. So people will actually use Bardic Inspiration. Yay! Yeah, it's now like Flash of Genius from Artificer. Because nobody ever uses fucking bardic inspiration unless you remind them, hey, you have bardic inspiration. Yeah. They, they now it's just going to be. They literally just changed it to being what people do with bardic anyway. Yep. Because the amount of people who are like, all right, bonus action, I give you bardic inspiration and then use my reaction to remind you you have bardic inspiration. By the way, you have bardic inspiration? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Like literally last night we were playing D&D and one of our players had three levels of exhaustion. And I gave him Bardic Inspiration so he might have a chance to hit. And he was like, I'm not going to hit anything. And I was like, I gave you Bardic Inspiration. Oh, yeah. Fucking use it. God damn it. 
Uh, and then he actually dealt a decent bit of damage. Yeah. Uh, the other thing Bardic Inspiration can do, just flat, is heal people. Oh! Good! Yep. Because bards were always a support skill monkey, and that makes them more supporting. Yep. Uh, any creature within 60 feet of you that you can see in here takes damage. Use your reaction. Roll Bardic Inspiration. They recover hit points equal to the number rolled. Now, the iffy part. You can confer a number of Bardic Inspiration die equal to your proficiency bonus. Okay. On the one hand, it's a scaling thing. Because if you built if you built your bard in any proper way, the number of times you get an increase to your number of bardic inspirations is at most two. Because based on your charisma, you get your charisma up to a twenty pretty early, and then it just doesn't change unless you fucking get, unless your DM gives you a manual that ups your ups your ups your fucking charisma to twenty two. I'm playing a bard with twenty charisma, and he's never going to see any more inspirations. Exactly. And so having it be a thing where it scales with your level does it the number go bigger? Number go bigger always good. Yeah. But that starts with a pitiful amount. It starts of with inspiration. two. And you are stuck with two for five levels. That is a pitiful amount of inspiration. Just, oh. Yeah, and. Oh, that's that's not good. If I'm being honest, I don't know how to change this to make it. Cause, cause Better like, but not overpowered? Yeah, because like anything I'm thinking of is just like essentially turning into key points, and that's just way too much part of inspiration. Yeah, level 20, I've got 20 inspiration. I'm never using it all up. Yeah, and like, even if it was like, hey, you have you have amount of inspiration equal to half your level rounded up. That starts you with one inspiration. Exactly. And that sucks. Yeah, you'd eventually get to ten, but it still wouldn't be great because you'd because ha- you have so many levels of just dog shit. If you like, which is one of the problems with key points. Yeah, if you like, do like double your proficiency bonus, then you start out with four. But then you end up with 12, and that's way too many. Like, I feel like 6 is a good number to end with. But starting from 2 is a bit much. And I don't know how to change that. Like, proficiency plus half your charisma mod? Half your half your proficiency bonus plus your charisma mod? Because like that would get you to eight, which isn't, which is which is a lot, but not overpowered. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Yeah, I. Anyway, uh, moving on from there. Uh, they'll get spellcasting because they're bards, and they're prep spellcasters now. Because I believe. All spellcasters are now prep spellcasters unless you're a warlock. This, that's probably just me having preconceived notions of what warlocks are. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if uh, it wound up that everybody is a prep spellcaster now. Yeah. Uh, so the biggest change with bards, though, is they pick stuff from an arcane spell list. 
but it can only be from divination, enchantment, illusion, and transmutation. Mm. Not <laughs> sure how I feel about that. Yeah, so you can use a musical instrument as your spellcasting focus because they're bards, and you get one as free as part of your starting equipment, and it only costs 20 gold apiece. <laughs> uh, level two, they get expertise as they are want. Oh, right. Actually, sorry. Uh, they're, they're, they're recommended spells for their ideal bard. At level one, color spray, disguise self, prestidigitation, vicious mockery. Yeah, those are bard spells. All right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, did they make Vicious Mockery not garbage? Nope. And, yeah, that sounds like bards. Yeah, so... Uh, lo- like, it, ju- it sucks playing a bard and trying to have any cantrips that are, like, not just for, like, showiness. Because bard cantrips suck. Bard cantrips really suck. Vicious Mockery, their primary damaging cantrip. Is garbage. garbage. Raw Stinking garbage. It's like, hell yeah, I make a wisdom save. Oh, you succeed it? Cool. Oh, you fail? All right, awesome. You take two damage, and your next attack is a disadvantage. That's the best part. <laughs> the disadvantage. <laughs> anyway, also second level, you get Songs of Restoration. These are extra spells added to your spellcasting thing that do not count toward your prepared spells. At second level, you get Healing Word. At fourth level, you get Lesser Restoration. At sixth level, you get Mass Healing Word. At eighth level, you get Freedom of Movement. And at tenth level, you get Greater Restoration. That's fine. Yeah, I mean. Having them always prepared, but being able to prepare other stuff on top of it. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah, it bards are utility, and healing is part of utility. Yep. So giving them the ability to just always be able to heal, both from Bardic Inspiration and just a spell. That is... Ain't nothing wrong with any of that. That is... Nice. Yeah. Gets my It gets a passing grade from from the caveman. Yeah. Uh, level three, Bard Subclass. It's College of Lore. You know, the Bard one. What? There's a Bard Subclass? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, level four, you get feet. Level five, Jack of All Trades. It's Jack of All Trades. It is the best ability in any game ever. Yep. Uh, level 7, Font of Bardic Inspiration. You regain all uses of Bardic Inspiration on a short rest and a long rest. And if anyone rolls your Bardic Inspiration die and gets a 1, that use of Bardic Inspiration isn't expended. Nice! I mean, it'd be better if there was like... Yeah, and you can't roll a one, but I understand why it's not that. <laughs> yeah, rolling a one, but then also being able to just keep it, that's also great. Because a one can affect things. Yeah, a one can, inf- a can like, all, like can really beneficially affect things. Yeah, the amount of times we've missed by one, failed by one, lived by one hit point. Uh, not in your games, but yeah. It's not my fault I keep rolling amazing. <laughs> Only to kill us. Only to kill you. <laughs> uh, level nine. More expertise. I say us. Only to kill James and Alex. Never me. Yeah, you always live. 
I'm always the last one on the line. Uh, level nine, more expertise. <laughs> level 11, magical secrets. Uh, choose a spell list. When you prepare spells, up to two spells can be from that list from any school of magic. Just straight up. That's basically what they had before. Instead of being class spell list, it's now magical type spell list. Which I I very much like they condense things into into uh into like not not grouped spell lists. I like the grouping of spell lists. Just less bookkeeping overall, I think. Yeah, I mean it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, level 15, further magical secrets. Uh, you choose a spell list that you didn't choose previously. You can now prepare two spells from that spell list. Wahoo! Uh, level eight, good pie. Yep. <laughs> at level 18, whenever you roll initiative, you regain two expanded uses of your bardic inspiration. Oh god, there's going to be a wizard who takes a vicious mockery just for the lols. <laughs> And then level 20, uh, you they recommend you get the Epic Boon of Luck. Which, immediately after you roll a d20 test, you can roll a d10 and add that number to the rolled, to, yeah, no, add the number rolled to the test. Once you use the benefit, you can't use it again until you roll initiative or finish a short or long rest. So it's basically you get a d10 bardic inspiration for yourself every combat. Inspiration. Ah. Uh, so, let's go through the recommended prepared list for Wizards of the Coast's Ideal Bard. At first level, we already got Prestigitation, Vicious Mockery, Color Spray, and this guy's self. Second level, Dissonant Whispers. You already get Healing Word from your thing. Third level, Charm Person, Blur, and Shatter. Shatter is, I believe, now a transmutation spell. Okay. Yeah, they, they changed up some of the class, some of the classes, uh, or the schools of some of the spells. I mean, Shatter is a great spell, so I have no problem with it uh, being accessible. <laughs> yeah, they they changed Shatter from Evocation to. Uh, like, Shatter is one of my favorite spells, just because of the amount of ways you can describe it. So good, <laughs> so fun. Yep. Uh, fourth level. Minor illusion, calm emotions, and lesser restoration as part of the Songs of Rest. Fifth level, haste and tongues. I don't really have a problem with with either of those. Like, part of me wants to say, tongues, that's useless. But no, like, you're the utility caster. You should have some utility. Yeah. But haste? Yes. No. No. Haste, Haste is not a good spell. Really? Yeah. Uh, like, the effect that it has... It, like, if it's like 5th edition haste, it would be better to cast slow on your opponents than to cast haste on your allies. The amount of times we talk, and... I, I remember very early on in us playing D&D together, you refused to take saving throw spells unless you had to. I've grown as a person. Is that a problem? No, it's just genuinely surprising. I thought you wanted me to grow. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to grow. 
Okay, I'll I'll go back to talking only about uh, attack only spells and taking haste, even though it's suboptimal. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Only reason I'm taking haste is if I'm playing a temporal mage. Ah, uh, so sixth level, major image, and you get mass healing word from songs of rest. Uh, seventh level, compulsion. Fourth level, freedom of movement from songs of restoration and greater invisibility. Ninth level, polymorph and seeming. Tenth level, message, cave's favorite spell. Fuck you. Uh, greater restoration from songs of rest and legend lore. Eleventh level, Otto's resist- irresistible dance. Classic. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Thirteenth uh, level, etherealness. Fifteenth level, power word stun. Seventeenth level, power word kill. I mean, if you're going to have someone who uses word magic, why not a bard? Yeah. Uh, 18th level, animate objects. 19th level, mass suggestion. 20th level, reverse gravity. I have, like, not, like, wizards normally, like, is bad at these things. But while I wouldn't say any of these builds are optimized, they're not bad. Yeah, they're functional. They'll work. Yep. And then moving on to the College of Lore. The Bard subclass. I know that there are. I know that there are everyone else's favorite ones. There are all the other stuff. This is the Bard subclass. It really is. Though my favorite thing about it is it's the Wizard Bard. Yeah. If like most classes have a subclass that like pretty much is hey you want to play this but you really want to play this, and this is the you want to play a Bard but you really want to play a Wizard subclass. Yeah. Uh, If in the Dungeons and Dragons movie, they make Chris Pine's bard actually be a bard and not what people jokingly think is a bard. (laughs) I want to have sex with all the thing. Uh, No, it's the useless musician. Yeah. Bards are like one of the most powerful classes in the game. Bards are great, but then they keep being, they keep being like fucking shit on like Aquaman. Aquaman's so good. Aquaman is great, dude. And the movie was a lot of fun. The movie was bad, but it was an entertaining kind of bad. It was a lot of fun. That's all I'll say about it. Jason Momoa. I do great not, actor. I do not like his interpretation. I do not like the interpretation he was given of Aquaman. He has enough natural charisma to carry that movie for me. If you get a chance, go watch Stargate and got, Atlantis. And he was allowed to speak English. Yeah. If you get a chance, go watch Stargate Atlantis. He's great in that. Uh, yeah, so, third level, you get bonus proficiencies of Arcana, Nature, and History. If you already have one of those, choose a different Too bad. One. Oh, that's good. Because, <laughs> like, in the early days of 5th edition, it was like, oh, you already have that proficiency? Too bad. Go fuck yourself. Which is why I house rule that if, uh, if you get a proficiency that you already have, you can just take another one. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate about the early things, but they've they've largely been pivoting away toward pivoting away from that, and that has been the kind of fucking credo of one one D anD D, where it's hey if you hey, if you get a thing you already have, choose something else. Uh, so next up, cutting words. When another creature you can see within sixty feet of you succeeds on an ability check or an attack roll, you can use your reaction to expend one of your bardic inspiration dies, rolling it and subtracting the total from the creature's roll. Cool. It's cutting words. Yeah. That's a good ability. Yep. At sixth level, cunning inspiration. 
uh, when you roll when a, whenever a creature rolls one of your bardic inspiration die, they roll with advantage. That is awesome. Because that that'll make that yeah that's that's good that's a good use of that. Yep. At tenth level, like, improved cutting words. Whenever you roll cutting words on a creature, you deal psychic damage to that creature equal to the number rolled plus your charisma auto. Nice. That's just great. That's just that's nice. Yep, and, 14- and that was on a reaction. Uh, yeah, that's a reaction. Yeah, it so seems you just do that every round. It seems like bards bards are now just they're turning all their abilities from bonus actions to reactions. Yeah, like cutting. And wo- honestly, for a lot of them, it works. Yeah, cutting words was already a reaction, but just making it a bit better by like, hey, you did this, and also you did the way spell damage should be done. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, peerless skill. When you, when you personally, the bard, fail an ability check, you can give yourself bardic inspiration. Yes! If the check still fails with your bardic, you didn't expend the bardic. That is, that's good pie. Oh, that is good pie. Man, I am just hungry constantly now. <laughs> it's all, like, that's the downside. It's all that's, food. Not, that's the downside of losing weight. It's just, I'm so hungry all the time. <laughs> uh, so from there we got some new feats added uh, for their I, new no I still got my feet for the new description things uh, so ability score improvement fourth level feet yeah it's an ability score improvement yeah you get plus two to a stat or two plus ones I assume yep uh, I'm not it's gonna... honestly a fair system I'm not going to go through all of them because there are quite a number of them and I some, of them, some of them are exactly the same. Some of them are exactly the same. Uh, I will gonna be honest, I did not go through each of them independently and compare them to their old ones and make notes. It was lovely How sounding. Unprofessional. <laughs> uh but I will so I will go through but I will go through and just kind of look at uh a couple of them, I guess. Uh, the ones that stand out to me, at least. Um, I won't go through any of the... Ep- uh, you want me to go through the epic boons? Nah. Because there are a bunch of them that weren't mentioned. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, here's my thing. Epic boons are never going to come up. Anything <laughs> above level 14 is just a pipe dream unless you're playing a level 20 campaign. So uh, let's just be honest with ourselves and just go with <laughs> stuff that actually matters. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh so great webmaster they changed. So uh okay. increase strength by one to a maximum of twenty. Immediately after you score a critical hit with a melee weapon or reduce a creature's hit point to zero with one, you can make one additional attack with the same weapon as a bonus action. Nice. And when you hit a creature with a heavy weapon as part of the attack action, you can cause the you can cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target equal to your proficiency bonus once a turn. Okay. They changed that from sharpshooter, but for weight, but for melee. Yeah, and I liked it as sharpshooter, but for melee. Just to be honest. Yeah. It was good as sharpshooter, but for melee, because sharpshooter is fucking beautiful. Yeah, uh, they changed up heavy armor master. Uh, so uh, I have a suspicious glare in my eye. So increase your counter strength by one to a max of twenty. 
Whenever you are hit while wearing heavy armor, any bludgeoning, slashing, or piercing damage is reduced by your proficiency bonus. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah, it's it's literally taking the old ability and making it scale. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, uh, so... Keen Mind... Uh, increase your intelligence by one. You gain one of the following skill proficiencies. Arcana, History, Investigation, Nature, or Religion. If you lack proficiency in that skill, you gain proficiency. If you have proficiency, it's Expertise. Nice. And you can take the Study action as a bonus action. That's a good That's a good way to handle that if you have the thing. Uh, like, If you have it, then it get, does... It's expertise. It's a good way to handle that. Yeah, and so study, new action. Uh, you make an intelligence check to study your memory, a book, a creature, a clue, some kind of thing to get more information about it. Do not know why you would need to do that as a bonus action, because that seems like very much a downtime activity and not an in-combat activity, but then what are you going to do? You might need to read a book. Read a motherfucking book, as they like to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As the young folk will say. As the whippersnappers. Uh, so, mounted combat looks like they changed a bit, maybe. I, don't, I, don't, I do not know a lot about mounted combat. But you increase your strength, dex, or wisdom by one. You have an advantage on animal handling checks to handle or train horses or and other beasts employed as mounts. While you are mounted, you have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that is within five feet of you, or that is at least one size smaller than it. Oh, sorry, and at least one size smaller than than your mount. So if you're riding a large mount, with if it's in five feet and medium, you have advantage. Cool. Uh, leap aside. If your mount is subjected to an effect that allows it to make a dexterity saving throw to only take half damage, it instead takes no damage. Nice. To have this ability, you must be riding it, and neither you and neither you or your mount can be uh, incapacitated. Which I would hope. It would be very weird to have an unconscious horse flip out of the way of a fireball. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yep, and Veer. Uh, while mounted, you can use your reaction to force an attack that hits your mount to hit you instead. That is going to be the most used ability of this feat if anyone takes it. Yep. No one is going to hurt my perfect pony. I brought this thing into combat, but it's being attacked now, and I don't like it. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'll kill it. Yep. Uh, next up. Ha- ob- like, no joking. Had a player, like, slaughter an entire goblin camp because <laughs> they dared to hit his horse. Oh. And I was just sitting there like, okay. Note, never touching... They didn't kill the horse. They hit it. That's great. Went fucking mental on that. I was just like, okay. Never gonna attack that ever again. Or, alternatively, murder it harder. Never gonna attack that again. I will godfather that horse. Never attacking it again. Fuck, I'll godfather him and do that to the horse. Uh, that game ended because you know it was psych. <laughs> it was a bunch of psycho teens. So 
it was never going to last very long. Yeah. So observant. They changed up observant a bit. Uh, for starters, you need intelligence or wisdom of 13 or higher. Good. It increases your intelligence or wisdom by one. Uh, choose between insight, investigation, and perception. If you lack proficiency in the skill, you gain proficiency. If you have it, you gain expertise. And you can now take the search action as a bonus action. No more static ability boot. No more static boost to your passive. And you can read lips, I guess. Now just, you can do that. So, ritual caster, they changed up a bit. Mm, I'd assume, given that everyone is a ritual caster now. Yep. Uh, they change up, uh, so you have a prerequisite of intelligence, wisdom, or charisma 13+. plus. Increase one of those by one. Choose two first level spells from any spell list uh, that have the ritual tag. You can yeah you always have those spells prepared. You can cast them as spell slots. You cast them as spell slots, and you can uh, ritual cast them. And the spell casting ability is whichever one you increase with the feat. And quick ritual. When you use this benefit, you can cast a ritual spell that you have prepared using its regular casting time rather than time for a ritual. Doing so does not expend a spell slot. You can do that once a long rest. Cool. I love it. Yeah, that's a good pie. Yep. Uh, Sharpshooter, they also changed. So, increase dex by one. It ignores cover. Uh, attacking at long range doesn't impose disadvantage. And being within five feet of an enemy doesn't impose disadvantage. They removed the penalty to the thing to get more damage. But... They kept the two things that mattered and gave it another thing that helps a lot. Because the amount of people who fucking forget how firing in melee works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when you have the stuff, half the time you forget that you have it. Yeah. Right. <sighs> anyway, that does it for. Uh... Oh, there's this one. Uh, speedster. No, no. Which I think is just quick. Increase your Dexacon by one. You have to have a Dexacon of 13 to get this thing. Uh, increase your speed by 10 feet when you aren't wearing heavy armor. And when you take the dash action, difficult terrain doesn't cost you extra movement. So it's just mobile. Yeah, it's mobile. That's what it was. It's just mobile, I mean, but they that's not renamed, a bad thing. But they renamed it to Speedster. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, then... Uh, rule term stuff. They, like I said, uh, they'll be changing these kind of uh, every... They'll be updating these every new update of uh, 1D&D on Earth Arcana. So, they're going to be some stuff up. For starters, they removed the monster crit rule. You mean the thing that everybody complained about? Yeah, they, lis they listened they and listened. changed it. They listened, which is what they are going to do. They're going to listen. Like, I know some of you don't believe it because you've been with us for years and you know how Wizards of the Coast operated in the past, but they are listening. Yeah. Um, they have changed up how exhaustion works. Now, you can have an exhaustion level of 10 before you die. 
Oh no! And it is a that, and it that, is a static negative, not a change per level. Okay, that'll make it easier to uh, track. Yeah. So for every level of exhaustion, you subtract one from every D twenty test and your spell save DCs. Yeah. If you can't, if you if you if you're tired, you can't think about how to cast your spells. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that's just good. Yeah, it's good pie. I like that pie. Yep. Um, help action is still the help action. Uh, heroic inspiration, which they've changed up a bit from the previous. Um, now instead of now instead of getting a now instead of getting inspiration whenever you roll a d twenty, sorry, whenever you roll a natural twenty, you get it whenever you roll a natural one. So it's oh, I'm fucking up. So it's counteracting. That's nice. Yeah, uh, it has to be a natural one that you keep. So if you roll a natural one and use halfling luck to re-roll it, doesn't count. That makes sense. Yeah, and you can only have one inspiration at a time. And a thing that I didn't notice last time, if you have inspiration and you get inspiration, you can then give it to another player. Which, that's just great. Just because yeah, you know, I mean, like that, get you, that's be, a nice way to help your friend. Yeah, you'll be getting people will be getting more inspirations. So they'll be using it more, but if you get one and don't and already have one, but the rest of your the, the number of times I've been asked, can I give him my inspiration? Yeah, this time he just can. Yeah, I don't have to be like, yeah, sure, you're a good person, or invent my super inspiration. Yep. So next up, new action: the influence action. So this is talking an NPC into doing something you want. Uh, they do very clearly specify this action can only be used on creatures controlled by the DM and it's not mind control. What? No, it's mind control. It can't force a creature to do something that is counter to the creature's alignment or that is otherwise repugnant to the creature. The number of times I've had players be like, but I got a 20 on my persuasion check. And I'm like, cool, bitch. You can't make this guy kill his family. I haven't had the kill his family, but I have had the tell us where your base is. <laughs> so. The influence action is now broken up into three different parts that will affect how things go forward. First is the attitude, which is the creature's attitude towards you. There are three levels of, of uh, attitude towards you. There's indifferent, friendly, and hostile. An indifferent creature, a little bit standoffish, a little bit doesn't give a fuck about you, doesn't hate you, doesn't actively want to help you. That random person you met on the street and decided that you wanted to have an entire conversation with. Yeah. A friendly guy, is willing to help you out with some personal risk to himself, depending on the level of success on your, on your charisma check. A hostile creature. Fuck you. Just, Dead. <laughs> just does not like you. Does not give a shit what you do. Uh, so next up, the interaction. This is the RP where the DM can decide, hey, advantage, that was really well played out, or disadvantage, that was fucking the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So I'll always give advantage and always have disadvantage. 
and uh, this also can also now with the attitude thing, it can also now shift attitudes. It can make an ind- it can make a hostile creature indifferent or make an indifferent creature friendly. Nice. And then, I mean, that's how it should work, but it's nice that they've like laid out like ironclad rules for it. Yeah. As someone who doesn't interact good with people, having hard and fast rules with numbers that help me interact with people helps me a lot. Yeah. And then finally, the ability check. And this is a weird thing that I want to get your opinion on because it's not set in stone. But it comes up a bunch. So, you make a charisma check. That can be deception, intimidation, persuasion, or animal handling. Okay. Animal handling is a wisdom-based skill in 5e. Mm-hmm. It seems like now, skill checks and skill proficiencies do not have a hard and fast associated stat. They still have they still have an associated stat, no matter what. Like they will, from our opinion, in five e. But you can change them up multiple times later. Like actually, let me just jump ahead a slight bit. The jump action, because jumping is an action, is a strength check, athletics, or acrobatics. Just that it's just a thing now. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was I feel like that's been a thing forever because there's been like strength intimidation checks. Yeah. And while this doesn't but... ever say it hard and fast, it seems like with this, they're going for the streamlining thing of just, hey, here are your different things. You can decide whichever attribute you want that the DM decides makes sense. Jumping will always be strength. But it could be acrobatics or athletics, depending. And, like, you can do, like, I don't know, a constitution athletics check to eat something dog shit. Oh, the players will totally do that, too. You, you can make a charisma religion check if you're starting a cult. That terrifies me, but that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, well, animal handling uh, can only really be used uh, for beasts and monstrosities, because you can influence monstrosities. Which means that you could get a pet owlbear. Don't tell the party. They'll know. They'll even, ask. No, even if they don't know, they'll fucking try. They'll ask, and then you'll be like, yes, you can have a pet owlbear. I'm going to kill it. Instantly. I'm going to make you watch it. I'm going to watch, make you watch it die. I'm evil. Yes, Dad is very evil. I'm a lawful evil DM. Dad is an evil DM. <laughs> I'll take neutral evil as long as I'm not a chaotic evil DM. Uh, you're, 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 you're lawful evil. You follow the rules way too closely. Uh, so then finally, yeah, with the ability checks, it is it now has a DC with a different thing for each attitude towards you. DCs are the same for both. There's an effect at a 10 and an effect at a 20. With a different creature, if you get a 10, the creature does as asked, so long as there is no risk or sacrifices involved. At a 20, the creature accepts a minor risk or sacrifice to do as asked. 
With a friendly creature, at a 10, they'll accept a minor risk. At a 20, they'll accept a major risk. And then with a hostile creature, at a 10, sorry, at a 20, they will accept so long as there is no risk or sacrifice involved. If you get a 10, fuck off. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Uh, I'm glad that it specifies like a DM controlled NPC because you know players would try and be like, "I'm gonna make this this PC do it." Absolutely, I've had to implement house rules to say you cannot use charisma based skills on PCs. <laughs> anyway, now let me actually go into explaining the jump action. So, with a jump action, if you try to jump five feet or less. It's treated as just difficult terrain. If you are attempting to jump more than five feet, you must take this action, have a speed greater than zero, and you must succeed a DC 10 strength check, either acrobatics or athletics. If you don't move at least 10 feet before jump, before making this action, you have disadvantage on the check. On a failed check, you leap five feet either horizontally or, either horizontally or vertically. Which is a bit ridiculous that on a fail check you have a five foot vertical. Eh, it's D and D. It's fantasy. On a successful check, the number you rolled is how far you jump. Oh my good golly gosh! That's what everybody has been like. That's like so many house rules and what so many people assume it is how it works in fifth edition. Yeah. Oh, uh, and that's how it should work because D and D is a fantasy nonsense world. Yeah. Uh, this jump doesn't use your movement. Well, it's an action now. So. Exactly. But the distance that you clear cannot exceed your speed. So if you roll a fucking 40 or whatever, you can't jump more than 30 unless your movement speed is 40. Which I personally, I like that it's infinitely better. Yeah. Than how the goddamn jump works now. Because the jump because the way the jump works now is stupid. And also, no one really understands how it works. Like I've been playing and running fifth edition for years, and I still have moments where I'm like, wait. Oh yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. Rule as written, you have a long jump distance equal to your strength score. If you're trying to jump less than or equal to that, you don't have to roll. You can just do it. If you want to jump beyond that, then you have to roll. It uses your movement. I had a player in a game I was playing in who had a grung who assumed that jumping didn't use movement at all. I hope the DM corrected them. They did not. This was the DM who let us buy five copies of each skill manual. Ah, there you go. This is also the DM who let the who let that grung player say, I have a 15-foot tongue, and just said, yeah, okay. Well, there is something to be said of, I don't have the energy to tell you no. Oh, I was there to tell him no, at which point the player got very angry and just screamed DM discretion at me for two minutes. Yeah. Don't and, do that, people. And then later like, was like, hey, yeah, could you check me on rule stuff from now on? And then I did need yell DM discretion. 
This is also the same player who attempted to, while tied in a rope, walk around the person holding the rope, assuming it would tie them up to. And then shouted DM discretion when the DM said no. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the final biggest change, and the change that, according to Wizards, they are the most proud of, is the changing to the light weapon property. So, how light weapons worked in 5th edition is if you are wielding two different light weapons, like a short sword, a short sword, a short sword, and a dagger, whatever. When you make an attack with one of them, you can then, as a bonus action, use the other hand as an offhand attack, which just rolls the damage die and not adding your ability modifier. This rule was largely forgotten because the only really people who used it were rogues and they had other stuff for their bonus action that was more important than doing a d4 damage mm -hmm. now however if you are wielding two light weapons when you make an attack action with a light weapon as part of that attack action you can make a second attack with your offhand not adding your ability bonus But holy fuck, that's just way better. That is way better. That is infinitely better. And also makes two-weapon fighting somewhat viable. Yeah. I don't think I've actually seen anyone who genuinely two-weapon fought in a long time in 5th edition. I did it once. And then never again because I had other things to do with my bonus action because I was playing a rogue. Like, two-open fighting is great for a level one rogue. It's not great as soon as you hit level two. Or really any class that has a bonus action ability. Because it's just, it's using up the action economy for something that isn't worth it. But now having this roll into the attack action... Which means that fighters, if they go fucking two up and fighting, they'll be able to make five attacks before they have to make an action surge. Which means fighters just got a little bit more scary. Yeah, dude. Ten attacks with one action with two with fucking two actions. Like, and even if like even though you can't add your stat mod, that is that is nasty. Yeah, like like. So two up and fight. Well, actually, two up and fighting style that allows you to add your stat mod. I believe so. Then yeah, that shit be nasty. Let me double check so that I am doing this. That shit is as nasty as your grandma's draws. Yes, it and you know does, who I'm talking to. It does let you add your. It does let you add your stat mod to the thing as long as you're using a light weapon. Which means, which means fighters, monks. Rangers. Two weapon fighting just got fucking opened up. Oh man, a monk flurrying with two weapon fighting. Yeah, now five, that shit would five be attacks. Nasty. I I don't yeah, I don't think it would work with the flurries because the flurries are not the attack action. But before that, two hits plus the offhand hit. Plus two Floria blows. 
That's just great. And they combine that with dual wielder, where you can use two up to fighting with non-light weapons. Oh, man. Two, like, ha- having that battle rager dwarf going in with two battle axes. Fuck yeah, baby. That shit would be nasty. This is great. I love this shit, dude. And I feel like I have to say this. We're not freaking out just because of the damage optimization. We're freaking out because of the new options for building where you aren't just crippling yourself. Yeah, we are freaking out because of the way this changes the action economy. Yeah, because before, two-weapon fighting was basically saying, yeah, I'm not going to be dealing as much damage. But now, ooh, this shit just got tasty. Yeah, like... This will see a huge spike in people actually having two weapons. And everybody likes the mental image of a two-weapon fighter. Yeah. Because it just looks badass. There's a reason Driss Duarden is very popular. That man has two swords. One of them is named Twinkle. D&D lore, D&D official lore is so stupid and I love it. It's it's great that this D&D fucking D and D lore was written by a bunch of nerds. That's why you love it. Yeah, D and D lore was written by us. It's just for some fucking reason they managed to turn it into books and not just the dumb shit you fucking complain about, like dumb shit you reminisce awkwardly about fucking ten years later. Like, can you imagine if any of the shit you wrote in high school was officially published and accepted lore for a universe? I'm actually trying to do that. I <laughs> I'm am just do- rewriting it. I am doing that. Sorry, sorry, I don't mean I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm thinking about it, and the shit I wrote in high school was awful. It was the most like self-aggrandizing, self-insert bullshit that I was so proud of that I printed off a hundred pages of it and gave it to my friends to read every month. Yeah, I was never that bad. <laughs> you see what I mean when I say having hard numbers for social interactions would do nothing but help me. <laughs> Uh, I'll give you a hug, man. <laughs> one of these days, one of your characters is going to say something depressing and they're just going to get hugged and they're just going to be like, stop it, please. And then my character will immediately stop because I respect boundaries. <laughs> huh. So that's the new expert classes and the first and the first like class thing to be featured as part of one D&D and they're on Arthurkana. Overall, what's your opinion? Overall, I like it. Um, I I would honestly like to see more changes to Ranger, but Bard and Rogue are good. Like Ranger could use some work. Rogue fe- like feels a little bit more balanced now with that evasion being higher level. Um, Bard feels pretty much the same, including the shitty cantrips. Um, the feats, I'm going to have to read through them before I can actually give a full opinion. And like, I need to like personally review some of the changes. Yeah. I probably do need to actually look at Epic Boons, even though it's probably never going to see a table. <laughs> um, like, I just want like a second question for everyone out there. Just be honest. How many of you have actually played a game till level 20? I don't care if you started at level one or started at level 15. How many of you have played to level 20 because I have played several games to level 20 
just not fifth edition. I have never played a single game to level 20. The so, closest I got was the first game that I ran with you where I got you guys to level one to level 13. Like, tell us how, how low, how many of you got to level 20? And if you got to level 20, what was the level you started? If you didn't get to level 20, what was the highest level you've gotten to? Yeah, that would actually be very, that'd be very interesting to hear. Like, give us, give us some insight. Let us hear what you've got. And who knows, maybe even next time we'll actually like, maybe I'll have done a spreadsheet or something and we'll actually talk about it. And um, speaking of insight, the survey for this Unearthed Arcana will be open on D&D Beyond on October 20th. So if any of this is sound interesting, try it out with your group. Play it out, test it out, see what you see what you feel. And then on twenty and then on the twentieth, give wizards your feedback. Because yeah. looking at it's everything, important. they actually are listening. It's important. They got rid of the dumbest rule because we complained. So keep up the good work, people. Yeah. So that's here for this day. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with regular die in the weeks and weeks of stuff to come. Uh Cursed Destiny is still trucking along. And we'll be back with the next one D and D update when the next one D and D update comes out. Nah, actually, I'm done. I don't feel like one D and D anymore. I'm joking. All right, cool. I'll bring in James. <laughs> oh God, do you really want to do that? <laughs> I mean, the only other option is Alex. I think he'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> James at least actually least DMs. At least he'd pretend, pretend to pay attention instead of going on Twitter. <laughs> Thank y'all for joining us. Until next time, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. <laughs>